0: So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast, time now for our review show. Uh, We're going to be looking at books that were released in July 2019. Uh, This is obviously our August show, we always like to wait a little bit of time before discussing these titles in depth so that people have a chance to catch up. As ever, I'll throw it up at the start, spoiler-filled, can't emphasise that enough. Um, So yep, I'm joined as always by Keith and Ronnie here. So... July was a big month boys a
1: big big month <laughs> July was massive <laughs> in terms of yeah. five weeks and a whole stack of amazing comics it could Beautiful. have been
0: two weeks it would still be a yeah. big stack of comics um, yeah I mean sometimes when we're putting together the review show we're always looking at we always like to look at titles that made a big impact you know it's we do enjoy a lot of comics but there are also ones that we'll, we'll pick up on a monthly basis read it set it to side. go yep that was good but forget about it move on to the next but this July felt like a really special month, and it felt like a month of there was something for everyone, whether you were an indie fan, a, a fan of DC, a fan of Marvel. Um, I have to say, for the store, this has been one of the busiest months since we opened. Um, been a really, really good, really good month for that as well. Why um, do you think that is? Just because everything. The quality of the titles. Simple as that. Um, I mean, the first one we're going to talk about. I'll just throw it up front straight away. The first one we're going to talk about is Hickman's return with the X-Men. Um, the reason I want to talk about it just quickly before we delve into the titles themselves. So House of X and Powers of X. Powers of X, Powers of X um, both going to be six-issue miniseries, but essentially a 12-issue maxi series. the two titles. And an entire relaunch together. to the line. Complete relaunch. This is uh, geared at bringing in new and old readers alike. Leading up to this, there was a lot of... I don't want to say suspicion, but there was a lot of... People weren't really signing up for it. They were like, look, how many times are the X-Men going to be relaunched? Do I need another one? Why is it two different titles? I can't be bothered with this. Whatever. See, by the time House of X came out, our orders had tripled in a week. Because reviews were starting to filter through. Hype was starting to build. And people were just thinking, I don't want to miss out on this. And... I think it's fully
2: justified. Mm. Oh, biggest day Thus far? Yeah. um, I've read, uh, I guess the, the, uh, July releases were the first issue of both House of X and Powers of X. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit behind in my reading but these were two that I, that I managed to catch. In fact, I just read uh, Powers of X, Powers of X, before we recorded and I am super psyched about them both. Uh, The X-Men have, Matthew Rosenberg, was on the X-Men for the past uh, year or couple of years with Um, Uncanny X-Men yeah X-Men was it X-Men Blue he wrote no it was the the Uncanny X-Men he came on with with so so following the X-Men Gold X-Men Blue uh, thing so Uncanny X-Men but it really just it was a great story but it felt like it was really from the time this was launched it felt like it was just holding the space it was finite Yeah. yeah it was just holding the space until Hickman took over we know Hickman from uh, certainly his run on uh, Avengers up to Infinity, and up through Infinity to uh, Secret Wars. Um, his uh, run on Shield, which is a fantastic miniseries, if you haven't read it, um, it's a reimagining of Shield, which involves you know how Shield came to be through uh, Leonardo da Vinci, right way right back. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, all of Hickman's stuff is epic. Yeah, I mean it's he's the man likes the word build. And, yeah, big style. Big style, um and I think this is exactly where this is going. So, um, House of X, number one. Um, Pepe Larraz is the artist. He is known for a lot of work on Star Wars books, uh, Wolverine and the X Men, um, some of the Ultimate Comics stuff. I think um, we've all read House of X. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Uh, there's there's a lot of little uh, strange little symbols all over it. First of all, that uh, begin to have a little sense whenever you get into the book. Uh, it's beautifully rendered, um, beautifully written, and uh, it starts five months before um, Krakoa. The mutant island is at the centre of everything. He, Krakoa himself, is a mutant, um, and it all sort of seems to lead up to uh, to the the, um, the revelation of these mutant these these uh, flowers of Krakoa which are like seeds or drugs that do various things for humans and for mutants um, It, it's we, we see figures throughout it that we're familiar with maybe figures that we're not familiar with but uh, it starts with uh, a group of uh, ambassadors being gathered by Xavier, uh, who is yet to be seen uh, uh, in Jerusalem at this habitat Again, it's all very natural there's a lot of um, foliage and uh, you know trees and stuff growing up around this building it all seems to be very crafted and natural they arrive in the scene and they're going to be taken on a tour of it turns out uh, the 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 habitats various habitats around the world because using using the powers of Krakoa uh, the mutants have created this um, network of portals Uh, there's so much going on (laughs) this actually you know in fact it's worth talking about the issue itself it's not just the, the, the comic side of it, but throughout it, there's various fact files. Which is uh, a
1: great idea, yeah, gorgeous, it just, it, absolutely love it.
2: It brings you up to date on you know, all of the different aspects of it, the, so uh, the have, island of Krakoa.
1: There is a bit about the floors of Krakoa. Yeah, um, what they do. Stuff about the drugs. um had info and bios on different x-men mm-hmm. um, i
0: think it's important to note as well that the fact files are additions to the comic rather than
2: instead substitutes of, yeah. for yeah, yeah you know yeah. art pages so the world building the world building that's going on both in the story and in these sort of, sort of fact files telling you about i mean i guess the flowers of croco are the crux of it uh the mutant island of croco is not just the home of mutants in the seat of their nation state it is also the only known producer and primary economic resource of the mutant nation, the flowers of Krakoa. There are three, three drugs um, for humans. Human drug L, a delivery mechanism, um, is, a, is a pill. This flower produces a drug that extends the lifespan of humans for five years. That's valuable. Who doesn't want an extra <laughs> five years? Human drug A, this flower produces an adaptive universal antibiotic, a super drug for humans. Okay, so who doesn't want that? You yeah. live longer and you're <laughs> not as sick. Human drug M. This flower produces a drug that cures diseases of the mind in humans. So, you know, you're not sick, and you, you you're, any mental yep. illness can be cured. Uh, for mutants gateways, this flower through grows a gateway, a pathway from where one where one is planted to its twin gateway on Krakoa. So mutants can now get all around the world um, from very forward. very quickly. Yeah. Um, imagine the uh, imagine the I guess the defense. Uh, implications of that uh, habitat, this flower produces a habitat a habitat of self-sustaining environment a biome that is part of the interconnected consciousness of Krakoa who is a living island and lastly, no place this non-naturally occurring flower produces a habitat that exists outside the collective consciousness of Krakoa, a place within the island ecosystem that Krakoa doesn't know exists a Krakoan tumour I'm sure we'll be seeing more on that later oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, even there just to the detail that it's the one of them that is all in black yeah. as opposed to in red so I guess we're seeing these, these ambassadors stop me whenever you guys are fed up because um, there's so much <laughs> going on here uh, we're seeing these ambassadors being, uh, being welcomed into the, the Jerusalem habitat which is another habitat corrected to the nation state of Krakoa um, they meet uh, the Stepford Cuckoos and Magneto now uh, dressed in white and silver and clearly not in the service necessarily of Xavier but uh, obviously on the same side as Xavier as an ambassador yeah. for Krakoa uh meanwhile uh we're we're introduced to the gray milk and habitat which is in westchester new york to me that says that is the original x-school mm-hmm. that's the x-school mm-hmm.
0: we're used to it's um, interesting as magneto's introduced as well like you don't always think of him as a humble character but he says i admit i'm a poor substitute for xavier <laughs> so you're just saying stuff that yes exactly is throwing one. you straight yep.
2: away Yep. we have uh gray dressed in her original costume her uh, original Marvel costume, uh, escorting young mutants clad in the, uh, in the classic blue and yellow, um, X-Men the costume. new X-Men stuff, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Uh, through a Krakoan, um, portal, all the while explaining how these portals work and world building, uh, you know, just walk through and then we'll be on the island and we've got, uh, on the island, um and he seems to be interfacing with uh, he's creating interfaces with Krakoa so that the mutants can use Krakoa you know uh, can direct the portals and all sorts of stuff so uh, Doug Locke's there and I think that's um, Sage so we're seeing mutants that we recognise Krakoa seems to be like a mutant Eden um, Wolverine only appears very very briefly with a big smile in his face around the big kids <laughs> um, so it's actually great to see uh uh, an X book that, for a change, isn't dependent on Wolverine. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. for years, all of the X books have depended on Wolverine. I guess yeah. since the movies, you know. Um, Xavier's there. Um, where we where meet him. Yeah, we finally meet him, and he's got this large cerebro-like helmet on his head with a, you know, so it's kind of very stylized. Uh, he's well, there communicating. Are, there with is the, that very quick scene just at the very
0: very start. Oh like, yeah. Um, That's a just before uh, we jumped in, but. There is uh, two pages that are very sinister, very creepy, and not what you would associate with Xavier. No. You know, it it would appear that mutants are being grown. Xavier, Um, yeah, is he growing mutants using Krakoa? And you have to assume that, like, again, my expert knowledge is not certainly what Keith says I mean is that supposed Cyclops. to be Cyclops yeah. obviously with the, the yeah. heat coming from the eyes you can also see the first two that fall out of the pods you've got the red hair is that Jean Grey well of course because Cyclops um, and Jean Grey are the Adam and Eve of- and then it's it's. I mean the Xavier you always think of as this bald genius in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and here he is standing quite muscular with this large helmet and even just the sinister smile and to me my X-Men mm-hmm. it just throws you for a
2: loop straight away well big style big style um yeah, that's that's actually a point worth mentioning. So, so yeah, we're we're we starting to see a little bit of life on on Krakoa, and then we we segue to uh, to these uh, off world this off world um, expedition seems to be something close to the sun. There, um, the uh, scientists uh, on board this um, ship are are docking with a what looks like a station and. We start to see that uh, we've got uh, Karima, the Omega Sentinel, um, and we've got Dr. Smith and Dr. Kane, people I, I do not know. And it looks like there's. Uh, we're talking. It looks like this station they're landed on is, is the center of which is the head of Master Mold, the, the ultimate Sentinel. And uh, they talk about the Orcus protocol um, and uh, how predictive models forecast the extent what Xavier was planning so whenever we, uh, we cr- cross the page we we find out the August protocol is the initial establishment of doomsday network based on evolutionary research regarding the extinction level population density of homo sapiens superior so what we've been told is that within something like 20 years unimpeded uh, mutants will outbreed breed humans um, and that uh, that all these different this this group called Orcas is made up of the remainder of aim and shield and strike and sword and alpha flight and hammer and armor and hydra and uh, They've been they've been trying to put plans in place in order to preserve humanity mm-hmm. uh, you know, so uh, It's really really deep. It's really really deep stuff uh, the next sort of section we go to we have uh, Sabertooth mystique uh, Toad isn't that all? Yeah, yeah and they look to be stealing something from Damage Control, which is the facility that uh, Damage Control or the group in Marvel who tend to clean up after superhero battles. Um, so, but we learn here that Damage Control, uh, while it is that sort of an entity, also oper- operates an archival unit for government contested metahuman machinery and technology that belong to missing and incap- incapacitated or deceased individuals, where either. A clear chain of custody does not exist or the items in question possess an existential threat to the United States. And in actual fact, we find out that most of this stuff is made up of stuff owned by Reed Richards and Tony Stark. (laughs) Surprise, (laughs) surprise. So they're stealing something like that. They come up against the Fantastic Four. They have the crap kicked out of them. And... uh, God, I just don't... know. (laughs) There's so much in this book. There's so much in this book. You know? Um, Cyclops appears in the scene... There's all sorts of issues about.
1: And Cyclops almost is quite sinister, isn't he? Uh, in a very he happy way. Threatening? Well, yeah, he. I can't remember who he's talking to, but he certainly says something like,
2: You're "Yeah, a smart this is enemy. my
1: this is my world. Please deal with it." Yep, <laughs> something uh-huh. like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they make so they make reference. A lot of this feels very new and very different. But then you know maybe all removed. new, all different. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, all new, and all different, but. You know, and it seems removed from the Marvel Universe until this point where Cyclops appears, shakes Ben's hand and says, And you Ben, I hear you got married Mazletov. And we know that Ben got married very, very recently in the so Marvel it's Universe. So now to we're connected now. to the right. we're connected to the mainline Marvel Universe, which is very clever. Um But yeah, uh there are there is a wee bit of a threat about Cyclops, you know, the the idea that Sabretooth, who's now been captured by the Fantastic Four, is a citizen of Grakoa he's a mutant and therefore should be returned under amnesty to to Cyclops mm-hmm. Reed Richard disagrees you know um, and Scott makes you know he says okay fine I can see you feel strongly about this why don't you keep him? we'll deal with it some other time some other way mm. um, you know and uh, there's a great line
0: of dialogue yeah. there where he's having a back and forth with uh, Sue and uh, Sue's like what are you all thinking you know all this stuff Xavier's doing and Scott Summers you know pipes back with my family has spent our entire lives being hunted and hated the world has told me that I was less when I knew I was more did you honestly think we were going to sit around forever and just take it You know,
2: the language is threatening yeah. without but it's confident it's yeah. confident and but then the threat seems to be it's not a threat but it's he says it's really very simple Susan I believe in what Charles Xavier is doing please greet your son for me and tell him when he's ready he has family in Krakoa waiting for him making reference to the fact that Franklin Richards is a kind of mutant um, you know and then we talk about yeah that's, there's just there's there's too much going on here just to, we could we could probably do a whole podcast on these two issues and well, what's interesting
0: as well and it's something I didn't really pick up on the first time but something Keith pointed out to me is that There's subtle clues the whole way through for this language that Hickman's using. And I was just flicking through it there and I saw that there's uh, a part where the ambassadors are being led around. And there's a door with four symbols above it. Uh And one of them says, am I supposed to be able to read that? And they're told, of course not. It says nothing. It's gibberish. (laughs) But you can clearly see the four symbols, which makes me think... If you work back through the book, you will you will be able yeah, to figure yeah, that out because yeah. I was looking at those four letters. I thought maybe it was just exit, but um, yeah. So it's that's the that's the that's the Krakoan language. That's yeah. Um So and, I'm actually looking forward to going back through this and writing out an alphabet. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what you can do. Trying to deconstruct uh, it
2: again, showing the lengths that you know Hickman goes to. Yeah, I mean you can the, you can tell that at the very very start. You can see what House of X is in this symbol, and therefore you can translate you can a can lot see of letters. Uh, but it's the one. end; it's quite chilling. Um, it's the end; it's quite chilling. Where, uh, where uh, the ambassadors have finished their tour, and um, you know that effectively Magneto asks one of the cuckoos to deconstruct what's going on. Reveals the ambassadors are members of various defense places, or not who they're supposed to, supposed to be, and. One of the ambassadors says, "So you're, you summoned us here to Jerusalem to what? Threaten us?" And Magneto, looking out across uh, Jerusalem, says, "A promise is not a threat, ambassador. And I summoned you to this place for wholly superficial reasons. You see, I know how you humans love your symbolism, almost as much as you love your religion. And I wanted you, I needed you to understand." And he looks back over his shoulder and says, "You have new gods <laughs> now." <laughs> it's very, very good stuff. So that's uh, that's House of X, uh, number one any thoughts on that roddy
1: <sighs> too, too <laughs> many to digest i i only read house of x i uh-huh. did not go for powers of x uh just because i read it before um wasn't really thinking about x-men mm-hmm. just have no scary to think about it almost to try and get into it but yeah what what a first issue what
2: unbelievable a- yeah
1: not just the world, like the world building obviously is fantastic, but it's there's little interactions between the characters, there's a lot of the back matter, which I absolutely adore stuff like that. Yeah, the sort of reinvention of all the classic characters I love. Still not sure about the Professor X freaky helmet thing going on, but sure, we'll see. Um, but definitely something I would consider picking up. Um, the only negative I found was the. All your back matter mixed in with comic pages and then with adverts was a bit annoying, but right, that's okay. I mean, that's part for the course, like, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I see at you least mean. there wasn't a stickers ad in there,
2: no, that's true. <laughs> uh, what
0: is, what, did, what did you reckon on? Yeah, I was I was blown away by it to be honest. Um, I'm a little I'm a little lacking in my knowledge of X-Men when it comes to comics, a lot of my knowledge comes from the X-Men cartoon, from yeah. the movies, um, from events here and there that I've read, things like House of M, things like that, Avengers vs. X-Men, but when this was coming along, as I say, we didn't have loads of pre-orders for it, but I was excited, and I, lo- I love Hickman, he writes a really great indie series called East of West, which I'm a big fan of, and um, But the first issue of House of X has blown away, Uh, given the sheer volume of ideas, the sheer amount of characters, for it to read as straightforward as it did (laughs) was a bit of a miracle, I thought. Um, So yeah, I thought it was off to a great start. I will admit, with Powers of Ten, I struggled a little bit more with it, but I've since sort of chatted to Keith about it, and now I want to go back and read it again. With sort of a clearer head. Mm. I think I just misinterpreted something at the very start of Powers of Ten that sort of yeah. informed yeah. the rest of the issue. Um, yeah, I, I would say. say yeah. So
1: House of X, Powers of Ten? Y- well, I, yeah, I think, think so.
0: Yeah, so there's a reading order at the back. This this is where it, it, it is interesting that they chose to release it like this because I think it would have been just as easy to just call it you know House of X and do 12 issues. But at the back, you have the reading order and it will be the order they released. So it goes House of X, Powers of Ten. House of X, Parts of Ten, Parts of Ten, House of X, House of X, Parts of Ten, House. Of you know, it's yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it it's almost it's a maybe it's a weird thing to say, but it feels like a very grown up comic book. Like there's loads to decipher. You
2: need to pay attention. You know, you need to read them in this order. It's um, I agree, and it, it's a it's and it's exactly what you said. It's a it's a lovely mixture of the familiar and the absolutely alien. You know what I mean? That's what I find. I I find I was, I was, uh, familiar with the characters, though. Still don't know what's going on with Professor X. Don't know what's going on with the, the these mutants can't understand why Jean Grey wearing her classic Marvel Girl costume, why Cyclops is wearing his uh, Avengers versus X Men costume, his pre death costume, why Magneto's in white. You know, uh, so I don't know where who who these mutants are, what the connection is to the last run, if any. Probably doesn't need to be, because yeah. obviously Hickman is st- trying to st- start with a clean slate here. Um, yeah, it was just, there's enough in there that I was like, oh, I recognise this. And, and But then wee moments like that, that moment where Cyclops congratulates Ben on his marriage, you're going, okay, so this is yeah. the Marvel Universe. Parts of so, me so, yeah, Exactly, so, yeah. Um, and with powers of X, or powers of Ten rather, well, issue one is subtitled "The Last Dream of Professor X," um, uh, and I think issue one of uh, issue one of House of X was the House that Xavier the built. House of Xavier Xavier built. Yeah. So it seems more like a. I can see where they've I can see where they've released those two separate titles because this seems more like a, a history book, mm-hmm. or but be that a past history or a future history book. So we're we're now discovering where the X Men story that we're reading in House of X fits into the entire history of the X Men um And I we fi- and we figured out why it's called powers of ten. Yeah, we have. Yeah, you know, the first page you have
0: that Xavier, which is year one, and then you have ten years later, which of course is one t- to the power of ten is ten. uh So the X Men had shown year ten, the world. Then multiply that by ten again, you get year one hundred. It's subtitled the War. Yep. And then you multiply that one hundred by ten again, you get year one thousand, which is Ascension. Yeah. yeah. X to
2: the power of zero, X to the power of one, X to the power of two, and X to the power of three. Yeah. Cool, so this is really interesting. Um, so we've got these four time periods, X to the power of zero, which is year one, which is the dream, uh, and that appears to be the past. Um, so so 10 years in the past, to what's happening in House of X, mm. right? Okay. X to the power of one is year 10, the world, so that appears to be what's happening in the House of X. So we can assume that everything that has happened in the X-Men, I think in in the history of the X Men has happened between year one and year ten. Yeah. Yeah. So all all we know about the X Men has probably been compressed into there. So uh, and then we have year one hundred and year one thousand. So we'll be we'll be starting to see the near future and the far future. So uh, so the story is split along those ways. And Alan was talking about his confusion. And the confusion is that whenever they're first introducing, whenever they're first showing these 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 eras, they show. Charles Xavier's face, as we know it, we see Charles Xavier's face with the cerebro helmet on that we're now familiar with, having read House of X. Uh, we see a robotic face, which is like a, to me, I immediately sort of saw it as a Nimrod Sentinel, which is a sort of near future Sentinel, and then this this other uh, blue humanoid face that does bear a, a resemblance to Charles Xavier. So. You were making the assumption that all of these were chance Xavier. Yeah, I mean, I thought yeah. maybe which like, is not an unfair
0: assumption. Like his consciousness had maybe been uploaded, yeah, or something like that. Like maybe even that's what this large cerebro was essentially doing was you know maybe saving his intelligence almost that he could then yeah. pass yeah. on and so forth. And with that last one, that almost looked like a, a mixture of organic and robotic to me. Mm. Um, so I, I just I don't know it's just the way it was set up. I thought it was. Xavier in four Uh, different ways almost
2: you notice that figure there in the last one has one of those sigils on his cheek I wonder which one that is yeah (laughs) (laughs) time to get Uh, the microphone glass so year one uh, it uh, takes place at a renaissance fair Uh, we have a young Charles Xavier meeting possibly not for the first time a young Moira McTaggart it would be easy to mistake that young Moira McTaggart for a young Jean Grey but that's not the case it's Moira Uh, Charles uh, one time love and a world class geneticist who worked with Charles Xavier and together they came up with in classic X-Men history at least they came up with the idea of Charles' dream Um, but uh, there's a wee uh, I look forward to reading House of X too oh excellent just remember this sequence okay well cool and that's why again this is going to be an awesome series Uh, there's a wee nod in here uh, to some tarot cards and uh, we see the magician the tower and the devil uh, these are characters who will be appearing later. Um, uh, yeah, so pretty cool stuff there. Uh, we then pitch up into Year 10, which takes place... Uh, dovetails directly into House of X. We we talked about earlier Sabretooth, Mystique and Toad trying to steal this pen drive, a zip drive from... Uh, oh god, zip drive, that's a very old thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thumb drive from, uh, from Damage Control whenever Cyclops the Fantastic Four chase them Cyclops appears mm-hmm. so this we never see what happens to Mystique and Toad whenever they disappear through the portal this is what happened they right. disappear through the portal Mystique gives the pen drive to Magneto there's a, there's a conversation um, between Magneto at the House of M and uh, Charles at the House of X um, there's a conversation about uh, Owing about what what Mystique feels she's owed for doing the job the fact that helping her fellow mutants should that not be enough Charles talking about we're building a better mutant world mistake and everyone who lives in it owes something uh, it's a wee bit sinister we segue then to uh, X to the power of 1 no X to the power of 2 no where are we well, this is all. the year 100 so yeah, X2 yeah
0: it is X2 but it does say X1 yeah, the X-Men year 100 the misprint there but
2: so we're in the northern Territories. or is it a misprint I think it is I think it is, <laughs> I think it is. So it's year 100. Uh, We have uh, Omega Sentinels, and uh, you can tell by the coloration they're kind of Sentinels, uh, tracking down these mutants and uh, sort of systematically killing them off. Uh, A mutant appears who bears a striking resemblance to Ileana Rasputin and her Soul Sword, but she also has Colossus's um, steel skin and a variety of other bits and pieces. Uh, There's another mutant hiding in the background here who seems to bear a striking resemblance to Nightcrawler but his skin is red uh, the, the Rasputin character is trying to, to rescue another mutant who is eventually captured um, and then we again go into the back matter here um, we talk about Sinister line, the mutant breeding program um, how under the expert hand of Chief Mutant Geneticist Mr Sinister uh, you know mutants were bred uh, through a number of generations First generations of sinister mutants were uniformly designed to be divergent copies from a singular DNA source. In other words, more or less clones. Uh, the second and third generations were referred to as chimeras. Chimeras are those that have mixed genes. Mm-hmm. So um, the second chimera generation produced mutants with a DNA composed of two separate X genes, resulting in mutants with a predictable combination of power sets. Third chimera generation produced mutants with an amalgamated DNA featuring up to five genes. Um, talks about failure rates and this third generation, uh, how they were universally successful against the man-machine supremacy, so that's the first mention of that. Um, so yeah, we're starting to see in a wee bit of world building and we see, yeah, it's, uh, it, it talks about the fourth generation of sinister mutants suffered a systematic, a systemic failure. The entire batch of these Omega-based Chimera mutants were produced with a corrupted hive mind that was only... Discovered to be defective after they destroyed forty percent of their remaining mutant population and caused the fall of Krakoa itself. So, this is in the future of what's happening in House of X. Yeah, so it's all tying together. Um, so it's really exciting stuff. Uh, we talk about the, the betrayal and outliers and uh, and this sort of stuff. So, um, we're introduced to Nimrod the Lesser. Uh, at the, uh, at the Tower of Nimrod, um, and what looks to be uh, the Omega Sentinel from House of X. Um, if you get back here, uh, we talked about these um, people that were in the Orgus, the Orcus Collective, who were traveling to the sun mm-hmm. and talking. Um, there's a, an Omega Sentinel here, Karima, who bears a striking resemblance to this individual here, yeah. in uh, Powers of X, mm-hmm. about 100 years in the future. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on here. There's an awful lot. Interesting of, as well, this all relates to the tarot cards yeah, as well. it does. you've got the tower, which is the tower of Nimrod. Then Magi- you've got the magician is, and the devil. Which is Rasputin. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, we, we, there's, there's talk of Hounds, uh, which sort of dates back to the extinction agenda in the original X-Men. Uh, Hounds were, were mutants who were designed to hunt other mutants. Um, we see Krakoa is still a place. We see... Uh, the no place hub uh, if I recall correctly uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the flowers of Krakoa for Mutants created a thing called no place All right. so if you go back to House of X Alan <laughs> no place and then you go to Powers of X you can the see no the, the end of this no place hub yeah. which is what do they say a Krakoa, a Krakoa tumor apart an area that Krakoa, in Krakoa that Krakoa can't detect itself um, and we're in a just, it just looks like an elderly team of X Men. Um, I do not know what's going on there. There's a, a Wolverine and a Magneto type and a um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on here as well. <laughs> Something that looks a wee bit like Groot but with a beard. Um,
1: and yeah, some sort of Groot Swamp Thing hybrid. Yeah, That's which could, could lot, in itself
2: be a, be a be a version of Krakoa. So and a Magneto in a green outfit and then your man whose name I can't remember standing there in the background. <laughs> Um, and then later, then, shortly, we go to X3, the uh, X Men year 1000, and uh, we see this blue faced individual, um, and uh, what looks like um, mutant ascendancy, and they're keeping humans in a preserve, but they seem to be Adam and Eve like humans, you know. Looks like so a version of uh, Cerebro there as well. Yep. Sitting cross legged. Yep, you're exactly right. Um, yep. Yeah. So, a lot a lot going on in these two <laughs> books so much going on in Jeez. these two books um, but in,
1: and in ex, excuse me in, in an exciting way
2: yeah big stay, big stay, absolutely feeling any better about it Alan? <laughs> I'm getting there I'm
0: getting there I mean I, I always say the best comics are the ones that A. make you think and B. give you re-read, re-reading value I should say Um, and that definitely is with this I mean as I say you're ready to pull out the file pad and the pen and start making your own (laughs) charts and starting to decode hidden messages and all this kind of stuff so um, but yeah I think I just had as I say, that fundamental misunderstanding at the start which sort of just informed the rest of the book almost and maybe got me slightly confused but I am getting a little ahead of myself here but House of X 2 really brought me back again because House of X is for me, the better of the two so far. I know it is all one story, but yeah. House of X 1 and 2, I think, have
2: been among the best stuff of the year mm. so far. So. i am be interested to see how this dovetails into the, the new titles. and Because uh, there's yeah. a
1: lot of new titles yeah. to come. Yeah, yeah. there'll be mm-hmm.
0: six, six popping out of it. I mean, the main one to follow will be X-Men itself, because it is Hickman, so you, you have to think that's the direct continuation of all these plot threads. But uh, you will have also Marauders and New Mutants and um, Excalibur and what else have we got? Fallen Angels and X Force. No, there's one other. I can't think. I uh, Excalibur, Excalibur, Fallen Angels, Marauders, X Men, New Mutants, and I think it's one of the more uh, obvious ones as well. God, I, yeah, yeah. It'll be all right. It'll come to us. Yeah, it'll come to us at some point. Um, but yeah I think mainly Keith's just very excited to be able to replace the war report
2: with the X report yeah absolutely <laughs> I'm just excited to see I'm excited to see the X-Men back in a place where they should be you yeah. know yeah back to where the they were yeah absolutely Get after after the franchise. after years of, uh, of mucking about with you know almost getting rid of the X-Men in favour of the Inhumans because Fox owned the property yeah. you know and they felt they were just advertising for their movies you know to you know what fantastic yeah. Four as well yeah so it's it's just nice to see because yeah and it's nice to see something fresh being done yeah know. so very very cool very cool very pleased
0: excellent and I mean we, one of the reasons we started with that as well i mean the relaunch so far has been an unqualified success it was they were the biggest selling issues of the month um from from all companies house of x outsold parts of ten by a few thousand units it was close it almost seemed like There was no drop-off, which you usually get between an issue one and an issue... Mm. Essentially, this is an issue one and an issue two of One Big Story, but there was very little drop-off. The critical acclaim's been high. Everyone seems really happy
2: Mm. with this, so Mm. it's... um, And I think you could probably... I think, from what I can see, you could read House of X without having to read Parts of X. mm. You know, you're just... You've got House of X, and then you've got Parts of X, which is giving you the context, which is giving you... Could know, you read
1: parts of X without House of X? I believe you could, yeah. I believe you could.
0: I would love to see the whiteboard at Jonathan Hickman's home that worked wow. all of this out. Yep. Whiteboards. <laughs> His mind map. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah so yeah. um after that I think every other comic's just gonna feel small this month. And just <laughs> like we're no we're reading things that were drawing with crayons and Well that's
2: that's the that's the worst part of it as is that everything was awesome. <laughs> so uh
0: yeah we'll we'll nip away then from what we call the x report and uh move over to what i've
2: tentatively labeled the bat corner i think you, um, you missed as roddy said earlier you missed a, a bat cave metaphor there yeah
0: i mean that might have been a, uh, yeah okay you're right
2: <laughs> <laughs> um i
0: mean yeah i mean anybody who comes in the store listen to these podcasts and know obviously i'm a huge batman fan there's always a lot of um quality titles out there bat wise and this month was no exception um we're entering the endgame of Tom King's run on the main title. We've got White Knight coming back with uh, Sean Murphy back on that. You've got Detective Comics, for me, continuing to be a lot of fun. And then you have Last night number two, uh, with Schneider continuing his last um, hurrah on the title. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to kick off a little bit with Batman 75. So this is, as I say, this is Tom King's last um, arc that he's going to be doing before leaving the main Bat title and moving on to Batman Catwoman with Clayman. Um, but with this one, he's paired with Tony Daniel. And it jumped quite a bit. Batman 74 ended with um, Batman out in the middle of the desert with fighting his father. And it ended with a glove coming up from what was essentially a Lazarus pit. And you just assumed it was Bruce, so you assumed it was going to be straightforward. We should really know better. Mm-hmm. Because we jumped from that, which seemed like a really heroic moment, to... A new version of Gotham where the Joker and Riddler are partners. Uh, you've got, Hugo, Stra- yep. You've yep. got mm-hmm. Hugo Strange in the Commissioner Gordon role. You've got um, Thomas Wayne back as uh, Flashpoint Batman. He's got a new Robin, which is a female Robin which is Gotham girl, which again links back to Tom King's first, the first arc. arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hunting other criminals in this new version of Gotham. You've got someone um trekking through the mountains looking for someone. Uh, which is then later revealed to be Selena Kyle who finds Bruce uh in the middle of like what I presume is probably gonna be the Nepalese Mountains. Um again there's a is lot where, of as st-
2: that were uh Razal Yeah,
0: Yeah. So again there's there's a lot of stuff going on in this. It's not quite as, you know, Keen Learish <laughs> <laughs> by comparison to the House and Powers of Ten but I'm really digging this, it, it seems to me that the, the Tom King run it could be accused of being a little plodding there for a while, the Nightmare arc wasn't for everyone um, The Hunt and the Hunted was a wee bit slow moving but I feel like we're definitely entering what looks like it'll be the end of the story and I also gotta throw a special mention out there for the great Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference in Batman 75 where the joker and riddler are sitting um are sitting at the desks in the police station and you can see detective santiago has been scored out and replaced by riddler and detective peralta has been scored out and replaced by joker but also if you look in the background you can see tom King's really awful batman sketches that he does at conventions <laughs> on the bulletin boards as well um and the Joker's even drinking from a mug that says, I am God. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's there's tons to love in this. I think Tony Daniels' art as well is pretty damn awesome. Really action-packed. Um, yeah, really, really loved Batman 75. I have to say I'm really excited for where it's um, going from there. Um, <clears throat> you're not really on any of the Bat titles, are you, Roddy?
1: Nope, just uh from last just night. one we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um I think I am waiting for Curse <coughs> of the White Knight in mm-hmm. graphic novel form.
2: Oh, are you trade
0: waiting for
1: I am um, indeed, yeah.
0: Well this is this is the interesting thing with certainly with King's run I've found because as if I don't read it enough at the moment, I've went back and have started reading his run from the start and it is a run that works so much better
2: in trade. I envy you. Yeah, I, I envy you been able to step outside your pull list and read things that for the second time
1: (laughs) yeah well
0: sometimes you just have to go back to these stories but (laughs) i just i think with keen's run it's so because it is one big run i find that there's details in this that'll be referenced in earlier issues um i think he has been really good at world building as well in this case so i just like going back and I'm doing that, but um, Curse of the White Knight, just as as Roddy stated there, just came back. So, this is the sequel to um, White Knight, which was easily one of the most acclaimed Batman runs in recent years. Uh, Curse of the White Knight, it certainly opens differently to how I was (laughs) expecting black label black label it's a different size than expected which makes Keith happy it fits in a normal comic bag in a normal comic box well they
1: did amalgamate the first one into black label they did trade trade release well I also
0: think as well if white knight's a certain size you can't really make the sequel to it a different size and why would you it doesn't (coughs) need it it doesn't need it no I mean we've we've talked about this before I I didn't think Batman Dam really needed it but I did like year one I I thought the colours really popped on the bigger canvas but, yeah, Curse of the Knight, it starts off, what is it, in the 1600s? Uh, 1685
2: in uh, Arkham Manor, and we have, uh, we have, um, let me see, what do you call him? Uh, Arkham, uh, is it Lord Arkham uh, versus Lord Wayne. Lord Arkham bears a striking resemblance in some parts to the Joker, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, laughing maniacally. Um, is
1: that in the deus Arkham?
2: Uh, I don't know I'm not sure Amadeus Arkham's the founder of Arkham Sounds so this would be even pre that pre him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. so uh, and there's a there's a general stuck in the middle um, yeah, this general has certain um, sigils and uh, uh, symbols on his on his clothing but uh, Lord Wayne clearly one of Bruce's ancestors slays uh, Arkham stabs him through the chest drops him down into a hole in the middle of a well in the middle of Arkham Manor and uh, the sun sets over it all, um, and then we pick up an Arkham asylum today, uh, looking in, uh, looking in in a silhouette, very similar to uh, Arkham Manor did back in 1685, and uh, we have uh, the Joker, uh, our former Jack Napier, um, from uh, White Knight, uh, threatening the. Uh, the warden effectively uh, and he needs to be taken back to his old cell convinces the warden to do that joker extracts something from the cell that is this city's biggest darkest secret and the beginning and the end of gotham the joke only i know about um so he covers his ass um remind me what happened to alfred at the end of white knight died alfred died well that yeah. makes sense <laughs> okay so we have bruce wayne uh, reading uh, the last letter from alfred and uh, alfred has left him something um under the the floorboards of his bedroom, and that's something appears to be the uh, the diary of uh, Edmund Wayne, which is labelled dated sixteen eighty five. Mm. So that's the date that we've already, you know. So so yeah, it's I mean it's it's the, Sean Murphy's writing and art is fantastic. Um, some great great dialogue, great narratives. Um, Batman, the, the the White Knight Batman, who is now notably different from mainline Batman you know he's a oh very much so this character. is like the Murphy verse so to speak you know he's got a collar on his cape and you know <laughs> we bit, we bit Sherlock Holmes ish uh, in some ways but yeah, he's definitely a, he references the Batman devastation fund and uh, the good that, that Napier did so they find themselves under Arkham uh, in trick dragging the joker down and uh, they find a buried body um and so forth so uh meanwhile joker has escaped and is up to mischief well what i've enjoyed about the first
0: issue is that it's um both the main characters so to speak are doubting themselves uh with batman he he's not that naive not to think that when joker was jack napier that he didn't do good for the city at one point i think he even says like he achieved more in six months than i have in 20 years but at the same time the joker's doubting himself because everyone's looking at him as being soft because it was like remember when you were a good guy and remember oh yeah yeah and Joker. he's like i'm gonna tear down everything napier ever did yeah and but he doesn't see himself as napier yeah he
2: sees himself as a dark, totally different individual so it, it almost makes him a bit two-faced as well um but, but yeah eventually it comes around to uh, we've got this uh this individual uh john paul john paul valley john paul valley who uh, is a, a vet. Uh, he seems to be... Uh, he have, does he have cancer from exposure to uh, Agent Orange or something? And uh, he seems to be haunted by uh, religious visions that all sounds fairly, uh, fairly familiar. Um, he's a, he's a, a caretaker at a local church and uh, Joker comes to him and reveals the, the great secret that he had is this sword which he presents to John Paul Valley uh, which appears to be a flaming sword and sets him on the mission to destroy the man whose family has cursed Gotham, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of similarity between um, some of the symbology surrounding uh, John Paul Valley and the, symbolo- the symbology on the uh, the clothing of the general mm-hmm. at the very very start in 1685. So, um, so yeah, that's a uh, Pretty cool stuff. Looks like a worthy successor.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's essentially what I've told everybody who's who's been interested in the title. It's a case of if you liked White Knight, you'll love this. If you didn't like White Knight, this won't change your mind. It's if you didn't like White Knight, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, you know, believe it or not, there are one or two people out there who weren't fans, but oh. Um. But yeah, that's it. I mean, it's Murphy has very much got his his style set in stone, whether it's his art style or his writing style. Mm -hmm. I like that he reimagines these classic characters in, in different ways. I mean, John Paul Valley famously took over the mantle of the bat when Bruce Wayne had his back broken in Nightfall. Yep. So, this is a very different take on him. He's almost like a broken old man in this. Yes. And I then have. it's going to be given new purpose. Yep. So, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where that
2: goes. It'll be an eight issue one again. Um, I love the continuation of the, the whole idea of the GCPD and uh, mm-hmm. the fact that. Uh, Nightwing and and Batgirl are members of that. Yeah, you know, with uh, with uh, the various versions of the the Batmobiles and and all of that, you know, Bruce Bruce briefly considers revealing his identity to to Gotham. Yeah, um, well, so Gordon yeah, knows it, 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 it his it identity does. in this yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. in this continuity as well. So yeah, um, yeah, really digging that. As I say, it's it's something as Keith says that exists outside the main continuity. So even if you're just interested in a Batman title, it's it's definitely a good one there good one to hit. Um, just want to throw out a quick bit of love for Detective Comics 1008, um, simply because it's a bit of a throwback issue, it's a very much a one-shot, one-and-done, you know, here we are talking about Tom Keaton's 85-issue art, or uh-huh. we're talking about 8-issue miniseries, <laughs> but sometimes you just need a really fun one-and-done, and the crux of this story was just that the Joker had taken over a fairground, uh, he threatened to blow people up, unless Batman came and joined him. Uh, really straightforward story. It's Peter J. Tomasi writing, Doug Mahanke on art, but uh, I just thought this was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, there's parts in it where Batman turns up to the fair, and they like go around and dodge them cars, and they you know go on rides together, and Joker's like trying to say about how much fun this is, and they go in the Tunnel of Love, which like there's a lot of references to classic Joker Batman stories. Tunnel of Love, of course, Dark Knight Returns um there's stuff at the very end regarding um it's a throwback almost to chinatown where people would always say the final line oh forget it jake it's chinatown oh yeah but at the yeah. end of this it's um where is it it's bolland park i think it is because it's a little um yeah drag the river maybe there's a body and gordon's like forget it batman it's bolland park of course brian bolland uh, artist on killing joke Mm-hmm. Interesting enough, this is an issue that uh, led Keith to drop Detective yeah, Comics. Yeah, it, it,
2: it's true. And it's not necessarily because there was anything wrong with it. Um, I was really into Detective Comics back whenever it was all about the Bat family, mm-hmm. you know, and Tim Drake and, uh, and Batwoman and Clayface and all that good stuff. And it was, that's to not it? Mm-hmm. so um, I guess uh, I enjoyed the Arkham Knight yeah I was going to say what happened to him I enjoyed the Arkham Knight her her, her. I enjoyed the Arkham Knight Ark- I, don't, I don't read it yeah. <laughs> sorry I enjoyed it Arkham was a five issue I, I enjoyed it alright yeah I jumped back on it onto Detective Comics and I enjoyed it alright but I think against the backdrop of Tom King's Batman mm-hmm. City of Bain, against Sean Murphy's uh, White Knight uh, Snyder and Capullo's Batman Last Night on Earth, it just did not feel yeah, it it was too whimsical. It, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel like essential Batman to me. It feels too much of a, you know, going from that to Batman sitting in a bumper car with a Joker, just going. Hmm. I just, <laughs> it wasn't for me. It just, you know, couldn't, uh, couldn't do it. <laughs> I just enjoyed the ridiculousness yeah. of it.
0: Um, I just think sometimes it's all very weighty and very serious, yeah. and it was too much of
2: a gear change for me. Yeah. And and I was again, I was, I was on the edge with Detective Comics anyway, so. No, yeah. that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, so that was Detective
0: 1008. Um, but for me, the standout issue this month, Batman-wise, was last night, number two, uh, Schneider and Capullo. This was an issue that, um, similar to a certain Spider-Man title we'll chat about later, that the whole way through it, I was just like, this can't get any better. And then you turn a few more pages and be like, it just got better. Yeah. And it just got better. And it just got better. Um, this is the second issue of a three-issue second, series? Second. So this is the middle part, which for me, when it comes to trilogies, I have always this theory that the middle one is the hardest one to get right. You don't have the joy of discovery, of setting everything up. You don't have the joy of a conclusion. You essentially got to keep the story moving, but you know there's not going to be an ending to it. It's the difficult second album. It is the difficult second album. It's the two towers of the trilogy. It's, you know, there are exceptions, of course. Sometimes the middle ones are the best, but... Empire um, Strikes By. That's a lie, Return of the Jedi. The <laughs> what? Return. That's just crazy, talk. No, that's not. Okay, slight segue here. No, 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 we don't have time for segues. Empire Strikes Back <laughs> is the most overrated Star Wars movie of them all. If it didn't have that turn at the end with Vader and your father, it would not be remembered. Okay, end segue. Uh, he clearly hasn't seen this play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have time for segues, Keith, right? Um, but yeah, so anyway, last night um so the first issue i thought was great this one really did seem like a step up um it seemed like a step up art wise it seemed like a step up in terms of incorporating the entire dc universe into it instead of it just being a batman story a
1: lot more spectacle to it
0: lots of spectacle lots of fun with it as well
2: you know that that was quite chilling actually the speed force storm yeah uh this the speed force storm that uh you know it'll lead you to dust or down to baby cells um, but whenever the speed force storm appears uh, you can see a mix of uh, all the of different Barry classes. Allen and Bart and Jay Garrick you know and probably Wally West in there somewhere as if they've been caught up in the speed force and they're screaming for Bruce's help help us Bruce yeah. for the love of God please you know it's just really really chilling really chilling
0: it's really chilling yet it has one of the best jokes the whole way through it because the speed force storm kills a horse that batman has christened robin
2: well batman has said he'd make this damn horse robin before he'd make joker's head in the jar robin
0: <laughs> and then the horse gets killed and joker goes ah look at that another perfectly good robin dead um so, <laughs> sorry
2: sorry it's just so sad as robin's going to be a damn
0: hard act to follow <laughs> so um yes yeah, so you have that sort of chilling speed force stuff um You then get uh, a little bit of a throwback with some stuff with Unknown Soldiers, with Animal Man. Haunted Um, Tanks. I'm not sure the Haunted Tanks stuff uh, in terms of DC, I have to admit. But you've just got all this great war imagery, Batman trying to get past it. Um, You've got this great Swamp Thing imagery here as well.
2: It's all related to the red and the green.
0: Yeah. um, And then you get this uh, great stuff with Alfred. So... Alfred at this point, obviously, he's much older. He was revealed in the last issue to be a lot older than initially he thought. And he's going down to uh, Wayne Enterprises to turn everything off. And he's cornered by uh, Scarecrow and Bane.
2: Or, or sort of some remnant of Scarecrow. He's <laughs> yeah. most of his body removed.
0: Yeah, he's got all these long syringes for fingers, robotic arms. It's a skull that for a head. Yeah, I mean the design is on the front cover and it's just wonderful, so it is. And doesn't seem to be much more than a body. No, it just literally seems to be a vessel just to carry him and to take the, yeah. the fire, almost to speak. Mm-hmm. But it's here that you're introduced to a character called Omega who seems to be the new big bad in this world. Omega was mentioned in the last issue. This is the first um, we've seen of him, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and it's a very Batman-esque design. Um, Looks like a bit Batman Beyondy. And what's interesting is Alfred seems to know who he is. Because someone says, "Hello, Omega, and Alfred Sarney says, You, I know who you are. How could you after everything he meant to you? And then he's cut off. I'm convinced it's Damien, personally. Um, age-wise, I think he's the only one that makes sense. So you then get Batman. He's searching out uh, Superman at this point. He ends up in the Fortress of Solitude um, looking for him, and then he gets caught in this really weird, twisted um, stuff with Lex Luthor and Superman. Uh, where Lex is essentially trying to recreate conditions to bring a new Superman to Earth
2: but also admits that he was responsible for the world becoming what it is yeah
0: you had this really interesting part in the middle where Lex tells Batman about what happened in the past and they'd set up this um, scenario in the world where everybody was telepathically linked and Lex invited Superman to have a debate on TV where they would extol the virtues of good and evil and based on people's um, opinions of it like they would their minds would be read, and then whoever they thought was wrong would be taken out and even Lex was impressed with Superman on this but one reason or another Superman's the one that ends up dead and Lex has a a lot of guilt there so he's obviously trying to to make up for that so you get all that good stuff in the middle you get this great stuff with uh, Diana um, and these guys going through the uh, the river of the dead they're um, almost in a form of limbo and there's this great art page which you just know Cupola must have had so much fun with um, this was the other thing I look <laughs> fun
1: in inverted commas
0: no I think so I, look, uh, given the opportunity to just draw pretty much every member of the DC universe no, there's not a Robin among them I was looking for Damien the first yeah. time I, I read it you see like but you no, can see Mr Miracle in the background mm-hmm. there
2: um, there's no Dick Grayson there's no Tim Drake there's no well yet yet Jason <laughs> um, so yeah
0: you continue all through this they end up making their way into Gotham because they want to have this showdown with Omega but uh, Bruce and Dana end up getting caught by the Court of Isles which again is a, a great nod to early Schneider Capullo stuff and Bruce recognised the voices of one of them and the reason I knew Keith would enjoy this book is because it's Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson, not Rick Grayson. Rick Grayson. A very important distinction to make. Um, yeah, I thought this issue had a bit of everything. I thought it was great storytelling. I thought the art was just unparalleled. It had moments for everyone, whether you were Superman fan, a Nightwing fan, you know, Wonder Woman fan. It had a bit of everything in it and I'm really, really looking forward to yeah, issue
2: three. me too. I thought it was a much more Together story than the first issue. Yeah. Um. In fact, if, if the time ever presents itself and the pull list is ever small enough, make may right, go back and read the first issue again. Yeah. In light of the second issue. Um. Yeah. Definitely much uh, much greater appreciation. Might be my favorite thing Snyder has ever written. Oh wow! Until you record it. <sighs> yeah. Until you get to <laughs> book club what,
1: number. Book club six, number six. six. Yeah.
0: Uh, book club number five coming soon as well <laughs> but uh, yeah so that was sort of the Batman corner um, we then called the next segment uh, Roddy's recovering of his indie chi <laughs> after his uh, selling out in our uh, previous podcast it was so a terrible thing it was it really was I mean, in. the man <laughs> to the, <bait> <laughs> the man was cowering in the corner so he was he's getting the cold shakes and you know recommending all this DC Marvel stuff but he's there was plen- plenty of good indie stuff
1: Although saying that, we're going to start off with a title that should have been a DC book.
0: Yeah, until they got cold feet. For whatever reason.
2: Well, you can kind of understand when you read it a bit, but. But no, because. Yeah. This is the sort of thing that would have been tame in uh, Vertigo years. Like, this is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so.
1: So, Second Coming by Mark Russell, and the artist is Richard Pace. So
2: this was to be published by DC. DC, DC
0: Vertigo, Vertigo, yep, mm-hmm. which could have easily been amalgamated into DC Black, Black label, label given yeah. Vertigo's unfortunate uh, retirement.
1: I was kind of thinking it's obviously not like responsible for the death of Vertigo, but is there a wee touch of like, oh like it's a bit tinted now, so we'll definitely just get rid of it. I assume they were thinking of getting rid of Vertigo yeah. at this point but they were just like okay I think maybe this controversy over edge, yeah. yeah possibly but there's no, like, there's <clears> nothing <throat> to get that all that stuff out of the way there was protests about it which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard um, if you read the book it's actually quite charming uh, whimsical hates religion obviously which
0: well it just points out some of the hypocrisy of religion yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, it's freaking hilarious and it's very fun so
1: yeah it starts off roughly 2000 years ago in the beginning God was lonely so God created some human beings to keep him company his friends His, he named his new friends Adam and Eve and then you see just like just from the very start you know what you're gonna get a big cloud figure uh, oh God appears in the clouds With a very angry face yeah, saying like, do not be afraid." <laughs> and it's just it's that sort of tongue in cheek uh, sort of humor that carries on throughout it. It takes a very sort of
0: Well, it takes a turn straight away on page two because they're introduced to uh the tree and told not to eat <laughs> the forbidden fruit. And many of the forbidden fruits on the tree are in the shape of cock and balls. Yep. Just uh and uh <laughs> and of course they eat it. And uh it
1: And then they're like how could we have known until after eating it that it was forbidden and all this stuff Um,
0: damn it eve don't lawyer ball me
1: (laughs) um but yes this uh this version of god very much benevolent a very angry man and then
0: well it sort of starts out that he kicks adam and eve out of the garden of eden but what he didn't realize is that they then populate the whole planet so it's almost like (laughs) he was bored with humans and it
1: backfires (laughs) on him and then of course we're introduced to his son who's sort of uh shall we say a layabout
0: more of a dude
1: yeah <laughs> so eventually we go through there's a little bit more backstory a bit of religion jesus comes to earth doesn't end very well as we all know
0: yeah it's interesting you see god watching him and it's like wait what is that He's uh watching um, Jesus get crucified and he's like cheese and fucking crackers <laughs>
1: yeah it's utterly utterly metal and then we get the pre- present day
0: it's almost like religion for dummies that's, yeah. that's the feeling I get from the first sort of there's a
2: total change in art style from something a wee bit more yes you're getting yeah.
1: the Ten Commandments style of kind of like yeah, yeah. grand biblical art mm-hmm. to something of a more modern kind of thing we're introduced to Sun- Sunstar is it yeah yep. Superman who's Superman <laughs> Hyperion uh, what do you call the guy from The Boys
0: mm-hmm. um homelander homelander mm-hmm. jeez I just started watching that ago. Yeah, he's, he's
1: a bit of everything <laughs> um, so he basically God decides to look down on this universe and he's like oh hey this guy this guy's pretty cool you know he's maybe what all the humans are looking up to so uh, as we all know there's a second coming coming soon and God decides do you know what
2: I'll send my about sun down love with this guy, yeah. See if I can learn something, yeah. What happens? Pretty much, um, all the while, hope
1: Homelander uh,
0: <laughs> Sunstar.
1: Sunstar is going through sort of a couple couple of problems with uh trying to have a baby with his wife or girlfriend that I can't remember the name of, and then <laughs> another amazing scene. Uh, God turns up to them in their bed just a big massive head and he's like, Do not be afraid. Though I do know yeah.
2: that God now looks a little bit like Chris Christopherson.
1: Yes, a little bit. Um but yeah, you just you gotta read this. It's was so just so funny and it actually had quite a lot of heart, which I was quite surprised at, but it's really the humor you're coming here yeah, for. Yeah, I mean,
0: just to show how bad these two work together, Like uh, Sunstar breaks into like, the smuggling ring. In fact, no, they're doing counterfeit trading cards or something like that, And uh, where they're talking about how intellectual property theft is everybody's problem. And Sunstar beats a whole pile of them up, but they end up landing in front of Jesus. And then Sunstar comes back outside, and he's like, where did they all go? Jesus is like, I healed them. <laughs> because they needed heal, so they all get away. <laughs>
1: um yeah, it's fantastic because Jesus is like obviously a very nice guy, but he's misunderstood, and I think that's the brilliance of the issue. Um so there's you know, like there's a great couple of scenes with uh Jesus talking to Sunstar and then we flash back a bit to Jesus on the cross where it kind of reminds me of like one of my favourite films, um uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. I don't of course, have seen it. Yeah. Uh, with Willem Dafoe as Jesus, where it presents him as sort of like a human being, which is really the same here. He's like a human, thinking, feeling, not some sort of crazy deity. And that's the best representation of him. I don't know why there was protests over it, and I think Ahoy have done themselves a favor there by picking it up because it's a brilliant, brilliant first read.
0: I think so. I mean, they ultimately got a ton of free advertising out of it. I was yeah. I was surprised it took as long for the book to be picked up as it was because surely other companies would have just looked at this and went, "We're a small publisher, we'll run like an image." Or we'll something. do this for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. I'm same as Roddy. I just really enjoyed the first issue. I'm looking forward to uh, more of it. Just irreverent, funny, not that controversial. No. So, um, but just a really fun book. It's
1: the same... did you hear about that film? The hunter, or something? Ah, uh, because yeah. of the
0: uh, the shootings. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this yeah, is not quite as controversial that. as that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I'll... that's
1: definitely not controversial. <laughs> what are we going for next? Oh, go for it, it's what in your hands. Or for a bit of something mm-hmm. everyone was looking forward to. Yep. Oh, yes. Especially Kieran, who we miss dearly on the podcast. Uh, Blade Runner, 2019
0: great art journal cover uh, showing a new agent on the front but also with the shadow of Rachel in the background with a cigarette yeah Blade Runner was one again that uh, has proven popular in the old pool list I think everyone has a a bit of time for uh, Blade Runner the movie certainly yeah. and 2049 I thought was wonderful and then this is a, a really interesting continuation of that universe
2: well it's a continuation of the original Blade Runner universe rather yeah. than 2049 isn't it mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it takes place in the uh, in the far future of 2019.
1: Yep. 2019,
2: which is when the original Blade Runner was we'll set. Yeah. yeah.
1: Written by Michael Green and Mike Johnson, art by Andreas Guinaldo, and then lovely colors by Marco Lesco too. Uh, so we're basically starting off. We're introduced. We get a little bit of um, Wait, exposition with basically telling you. Story of the Blade Runners. And then we have Detective uh, Anya Ashina. Uh,
2: yeah, Anna Ashina.
1: Of the LAPD, who was one of the first to qualify
2: for the assignment. So we assume he she's a little further up the ranks than Deckard would be. Yeah. She's yeah. a hell of a lot better job than Deckard yeah. ever was. <laughs> she it says there she was the best of them. Um, yeah. So it's it's gritty. Um she is absolutely no nonsense she seems to have a sideline uh selling uh organs yes uh, perfect uh, per belly. So, so she utilizes that as a torture device for getting information out of people as well yeah uh, and it's is it replicant organs yeah that she's yeah um so yeah she seems to do things her own way and uh her uh her captain seems to be all right with that ish you know, um, but she gets a request from on high. Um, the, uh, the police have been asked to do something for Alexander Selwyn who is a, a uh, high up CEO of something called the Kenan Corporation. Um, feeding the future his wife and daughter have disappeared. Um, she immediately suspects some sort of foul play um, but it turns out he's very much in love uh, with his wife and misses his daughter um, and so forth and yeah.
1: uh, let's not forget she narrated very much in that uh, noir oh noir yes.
2: detective
0: yeah detective yeah, style. Yeah,
2: absolutely in that Blade Runner director's yeah. cut yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> sort of style
2: <laughs> she eventually tracks down their uh, their speeder their skipper whatever they, they call these things in, in, in 2019 Blade Runner oh, yeah their car a floaty car thing. Uh, um, yes,
1: the technical name for it.
2: But she seems to be having some sort of physical problem. Uh, she's in pain by the time she tracks down the car and she has to uh, leave the scene. She, she calls in backup but has to leave the scene. Uh, so she'll check back in. Um, We see see a segue into we see a a flash into the mother and daughter, they're still alive, they're running around the place and uh, we find out that uh, Ash, uh, our main character Anna Ashina, um, is more than she lets on, it seems that she's suffered some sort of injury and she's had some sort of cybernetic implants in order to, I don't know, replace a broken back or replace some very very bad injury Um, and she... uh, she's still in debt for the surgery they can shut her down at any time and uh, she plugs herself in uh, in order to recharge or something can't be a runner if you can't run I think she says yeah, yeah. that's not it yeah so it seems to be a, like a back injury or something even more uh, yeah it's cool stuff um, and then in a in a, in a shock reveal we find out that uh, Mr. Selman's wife may or may not be a replicant mm. uh, she beats the shit out of uh some folks to protect her daughter and then goes yeah. off with a goes off with a man and slips through the cracks yeah it's very it's very noir very detective-y very
1: uh, I think they nailed the tone yeah big style. both films yeah. to be honest yeah. and
0: the arts I mean there's lots of callbacks yeah. there to you know different buildings that are famous in the movies yeah. and it does feel like an extension of that world which is exactly what it should be always the main thing you ask of anything like that yeah. so um, yeah, I thought that was really successful. Um, Kickoff for Blade Runner 2019.
2: Yep, big style. Now we have one which I know that Keith rather enjoyed. Yeah, um, Jason Aaron and Dennis Hopeless Hallam. Sea of Stars issue one uh, from Image. Uh, first issue. A father, a son, and a whole lot of space between them. Um, so this. This kicks off uh, in space. Uh, it's so crapping boring. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got a father and a son, Caden. As uh, this it seems to be drawn in a fairly cartoony style, um, in, in Dennis Hallam style, I guess. Um, the kid has gone with his father. His father seems to be a, a cross galaxy trucker, space trucker. Kid has gone with his father, um, and he is absolutely bored. Spitless of, of space, um, as you would be. Yeah, it turns out they're uh, they're ferrying stuff. They're hauling for the Corgarian Museum of Space History. It was a pretty cool, place. Uh, his dad's trying to educate him, trying to bond with him with Kaden while they they travel. Uh, Caden can't be ours. So all he can be worried about is the fact there's no service. His games aren't available on his on his phone or comlink or whatever it is. Um, the father detects a, a new what looks like a long something huge in the long range of scanners. Must be a super barge. He does the usual, calms out, you know, and and that space trucker sort of way. Caden meanwhile has disappeared into the bowels of the ship to explore this stuff from the museum. There's lots of cool stuff. Um he he's in a space suit because it's it's pressurized down it's, it's not pressurized down there. Uh he discovers uh a space whale, um He's talking to the, sorry, Quark Shark. He's, he's talking to the corpse of this Quark Shark. He's lost his mom. Clearly his dad's the only person he has left, but he's not getting on with his dad. Uh, meanwhile, upstairs, dad realizes that it's not a, a giant space arc or whatever it was. It's some sort of massive creature that looks like a cross between a space squid and a whale thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's the awesome. technical term. It's beautifully rendered, whatever it is. Um, and it more or less devours the ship, splits it in half. The father and son are on opposite ends of the ship. Uh, they get split up. Father's in the spacesuit as quick as he can, trying to find his son. I'm coming for you, son. The ship's split apart in the creature's mouth. Some big giant... Uh, up close shots of this creature's giant green eye and and all of this. Uh, but the ship comes apart. Fortunately, they're both in spacesuits, uh, but they are separated. Um, they are separated and uh, something happens whenever Caden flying through space touches one of the artifacts from the museum Uh, seems to make him more or less invulnerable, he encounters um, a space that is ripped open but he seems to be able to speak he seems to be able to breathe Uh, he seems to be able to resist the cold, Um, so he meets these two aliens that start off wanting to eat him and then decide maybe not (laughs) because <laughs> um, they can understand because they can understand him. it doesn't feed the whole idea so so yeah so they're they they show him how to move through space he's swimming in space um, dad wakes up somewhere else and uh, it seems that the central conceit of this is that you know the father will be looking for the son the son will be looking for the father um, and we'll be doing a bit of world building and stuff along the way yeah um, which sounds like a fairly good recipe for to me <laughs> uh, just stay alive out there Caden says dad one way or another dad's still coming um, while <clears> these <throat> monsters barrel across the asteroid at him um, um, so yeah
1: Jason Aaron can do no wrong and it, it's really cool to see because you were telling I think every sort of podcast we've had you mentioned Dennis Hallam Marvel guy in some way or other yeah, yeah, yeah but here he is doing sci-fi with crazy monsters and uh, yep. really love the colors in this book too. Yep, really fantastic um, looking. Really book. excited. Yep. Really excited to see. I picked up, picked up some other Image number ones and not this, which I regret after reading this this uh, this afternoon. Uh huh. So I think I'm gonna definitely pick up the trade. Cool. Really, really enjoyed it.
2: Um, I think this. Uh, I think I said it to you, Alan during the week. I think this is the bit, the potential, the potential to be another saga. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely fill
0: that uh, void while we wait in Saga's return. Certainly, I mean, just a, it just shows Aaron's skill as a writer. He achieves an awful lot in a yeah. short space of time he really here. Does, yeah. You know, establishes a relationship between the father and son. The you know that he lost his mom. Establishes this world. I mean, there's little details in it that are just really cool. Um, one line that particularly stood out. It's just a wee throwaway thing, but it's part of the world building. Is when, um, Caden is going around the ship and he starts crying. There's like a little voice inside the, the spacesuit says, Excess liquid detected, triggering thermal dryer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just little things like that. And he sort of mumbles, you know, shut up, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But also, it has a reference to one of the greatest movies of all time in there Big Trouble on Little China. Oh, yeah. Super this is the Pork Chop Comet <laughs> <laughs> instead of the Pork Chop Express. Um, so, I love me a good pop culture reference or two. So, yeah, a lot of fun. A lot achieved in it and i think yeah a special shout out to rico renzi for the colors because Ooh. it is a gorgeous looking book it is so yeah. yeah, it is um so yeah so that was sea of stars number one okay. um now we move on to one i have zero knowledge of so see you, you guys gonna, take see it you gonna it pick, away. pick this one up no i mean same again i mean i'm similar to you guys and then i will read 90 percent of number ones but some of them slipped through the cracks. This was, unfortunately, one of them, or, unfortunately, one um, of them, I don't know.
2: No, no, definitely not. It's not a bad. It's Colin Bunn, so that's always a good start. Colin Bunn, then Kyle Stram, co-write uh, Baltimore Rivas and, on art. Um, called Unearthed, number one image. Um, the story starts in Mitlanica, Mexico. Um, you've got this kid, uh, you know, speaking in Spanish. He seems to be... Emptying this bucket into barrels of sort of full of pink stuff, and um, these folk arrive. They, I think, they're Americans. Uh, Doctor Reyes, Doctor McCormick and Lieutenant Morris, who is the who's the the heavy, the the grunt of the group. And there seems to have been some sort of uh, I guess outbreak yep. in Mexico yep. here, and. Uh, it's it's mad. It's something whatever it is. It's it's causing some sort of mad body shock thing. It's absolutely horrible. Um, you know, it's mutating and uh, bloating and
1: turns you into a big fat blob. Basically, yeah, like yeah. a
2: like a, a horrible. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Um, so, so there's that. There's <laughs> that. Uh, this kid Alejandro. I don't know if he's half insane from treating these people or mm-hmm. cleaning up after them or whatever. Um, He points out that they're looking to talk to Dr. Hernandez and this big glob-looking thing, you know, on the bed is Dr. Hernandez. Meanwhile, in Boston, 2016, this young girl seems to have torn off her own face. So that's a thing, too. Um, Yeah, there
1: was a lot of jumping around. And I'm not sure what it was to me. I like the story. Like, the story was... yeah it was compelling Um, enough like i didn't really engage with any of the characters and i just thought the um kind of style of it didn't really grab me and i suppose as as harsh as it is as a reader uh you gotta be careful with your choices you know yeah yeah um so maybe if one book doesn't grab you it's not to say that the rest of it isn't going to be quality it's just like i did not feel this was gonna
2: Yeah, yeah. And it felt
1: like colours are really bland. Um, But then, I suppose maybe there's a reason for it. Um, I just felt everything was like weird shade of grey and black and... But then you never know that could be, that could pick up.
2: And it was, it was interesting to to go into the ground to discover what the the reason for this outbreak is and they discover creatures and things and alien ecosystem down there and monsters and all sorts of stuff and... Um, there was there's there's definitely I don't know
1: um, there's
2: yeah something to you know, There, there uh, yeah uh, I can't I'm not sure why it just didn't <laughs> I don't know if it the body shock I just couldn't be arsed with it at the moment or if there's, there's been a bit much or I don't know has there
1: been a bit much though has it I don't know I feel like I read
2: something a wee bit body shocky uh, fairly recently before it or is it something, I don't know I'm not sure but no it, was, it, it wasn't bad it's just not for me right now
1: yeah yeah I, I completely feel the same definitely yeah. not a bad book if if like the body horror it's a bit like have um, you ever seen it? it's like some sort of weird body horror mixed with outbreak
2: yeah like a, <laughs> like yeah, like John Carpenter does yeah. a thing oh, not hold on. that thing oh you just mentioned John Carpenter I'll, I'll
0: borrow that wee issue all right. <laughs> I'll have we read of that you have you'll, not, you'll uh, be the judge of you, you have not here. put me off it <laughs> <laughs> I, Good not, enough. I know I have no copies left in the store so just out of curiosity yeah, cool. yeah, we'll give it about, a wee. Uh,
1: Fair Lady because um, that was another one that I kind of yeah. Fair. I read the first one, wasn't a big fan and then so Fair Lady
0: is something that I'm a fan of and I was a bit disappointed to see this week the writer take to Twitter to say that it's going to end at issue 5 um, fair lady it's it's set up in this great little world it's um so you get the same blurb at the start of every issue in the aftermath of the war of harshland there was no longer a need for a standing army former soldiers struggled to re-enter society some found employment some turned to crime some became the first licensed investigators the first fair men jenner folds poses a man to fight in the war when she returned a wizard her to oversee security at his tower. In her free time, she takes on the cases no one else cares about as the land's only fair lady. Now, what I really dug about this as a title was that every single issue was a one and done. This this is how they advertised it. They they basically said the issues were a complete fair lady mystery. Um, I just found it really charming. It's sort of a mix of medieval and sci-fi. You know, you've got one of the the fair men are, is a large talking cat it's never explained why he's there when the rest of the world is quite human um there's a little map at the back of it that sort of shows the the setup of the world and it looks like what is a giant sort of a giant robot that has landed on earth and they've actually built around it i thought it was, i think it's a charming charming little tile and i really really recommend it when it hits trade because as i said it's unfortunately going to end at five yeah. um I I keep trying to turn Roddy around on it Um, (laughs) like to give you an idea this issue all this issue is about is a wealthy literature lover who finds this book but the last two pages are ripped out and he's been searching for ten years to find the last two pages but every library he goes to every bookstore he goes to the last two pages are ripped out (laughs) so he hires her to track down the writer and to find out how the story ends because it's just been you know Digging away at him for years, and that's that's all the stories about. But it's just utterly, utterly charming. A lot of fun. Um, yeah,
1: I think it was sort of the same as Keith with with his body horror. I had too much fantasy, I think, at that point, um, and I just couldn't deal with it because I had a few titles and I had Reaver as well, which I was kind of like, eh. yeah, yeah, um, like not to say they're bad. It's just that wasn't what I wanted at well, the I mean, time i felt a bit burnt out with all that sort of that's stuff that's what we got
0: to emphasize certainly i mean not the the goal of this reviews podcast is not always just to say everything is gold there will be things yeah. we read that maybe aren't for us or whatever that's that's fine Fair fairly is to say i stuck with it because i had ordered it in for myself as well and i enjoyed the first one but i do think it's got better the more it's gone yeah. um so i'm a little sad that it's only going to be five but what a five so as long as issue five is good of course which is due out soon um but i do want to throw a little bit of love for a another one that launched i mean it does seem that every week there seems to be a new image number one without feel um it just seems the place to be for all creators whether it's writers artists um whatever but this was a title that came out called space bandits written by mark miller Um, I'm sure everybody knows him well Um, but the main reason that I was attracted to this issue was Mario Scalera the artist on this is the artist from a title called Black Science which is written by Rick Uh Remender I'm a big big fan of Um, but Space Bandits it achieves a lot in one issue similar to what we were talking about with Sea of Stars I mean I showed Roddy the first page here earlier quickly and he just burst out laughing so it begins with what looks like a cruise ship going through space but it's called the Lionel Richie (laughs) And at the front, it's a it's the figurehead is a later. mold of Lionel Richie, and the subtitle starts with the '80s didn't reach the Midwest until the '90s. <laughs> Think how long it took to get this into space. Um, so it starts off in this big massive cruise ship, and it leads to um, a job being done, a robbery being done by these, you know, aforementioned space bandits. There's four men and one wo- one woman, and they basically knock out everybody on the cruise ship and steal everything from them but the girl of the group had gotten friendly and chatty with these two older people who had just got married so she leaves them behind like a little congratulations card and she's like i like to think i'm something of a romantic um but the rest of the guys in the crew are like she's way too fucking soft um so they end up actually killing her or what do you think they've killed her they basically betray her and then she's like oh but we made our 100 million split five ways that's 20 million each and the guys are like, I guess twenty-five million just sounds cooler, and they shoot her and leave her for dead. Then it cuts to another, um, another long con that uh, these two other characters are doing, where this guy is basically turning in this female bounty. Uh, but what he does every time is he helps her escape, so her bounty goes up. Then he <laughs> finds her again, busts her out again, finds her again, busts her out again. All the while, the money's going up and up, and. Uh, but what happens is they're going to do one last job because her bounty is so high yeah. but he actually leaves her to rot in the jail cell never comes back for her. <laughs> and then the, the, the issue basically ends where the these two female characters meet in prison and try to come up with a way that they're going to take revenge and all these guys who screwed them over Um, it's just a lot of fun the art style is wonderful I mean I mean just look at that that's the um, that's the prison it's a giant lobster floating in space space it's called the crustacean Okay. a hundred miles sentient worshipped as a god now dead and being mined by thousands of the universe's most dangerous prisoners again we've we've spoke about it in other podcasts and all the rest when Mark Miller gets it right I think he's a great writer Mm -hmm. and again the art was the big draw for me with Matteo Scalera on there Um, so that's one I really recommend it's another one that's fallen under Mark Miller's Miller World Netflix deals so I don't know well Miller World is now wholly owned
2: by Netflix so everything that Mark Miller does is owned by Netflix
0: could be a movie could be a TV show might just exist as a great comic I Mm -hmm. don't know we shall see so yeah but we have to finish off with a, a specific indie title before well yeah not th- i say finish off i mean i've, I've still got a no tear of another <laughs> 15 or 16 titles but to finish so off that's the our corner done to finish off the roddy's recovering of his indie chi we have yeah
1: we'll go for red winter by scott comics by michael gordon francisco munoz and the main man roland scalens who did the art for a lot of some of my books a lot of some of I was going to say CD you're CD a writer CD man yeah. you're but, a writer uh, some of a lot of your books yeah yeah it's, it's very lit um, yeah so he did stories for Tales of the Fractured Mind The Burning Memory and Tales of Fractured Worlds too um, he's the colorist on this and then Michael I've known since I he was in school uh, yeah so not, not
0: since you were in school just when he just was when in
1: when school just when he was in school oh, yeah
0: okay. I didn't go to school uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all self-taught baby <laughs>
1: But yeah, uh, so, he's got a potty mouth on him, old Michael, doesn't he?
0: It was something I noticed. Swearing. Yeah, it was a lot of swearing at the start. And it sort of calms down a little bit more through it. But yeah,
1: um, so basically, Red Winter tells the story of a uh, disgraced um, New York detective, Eli Winter. And he basically ends up in Russia and he's got to do a job there, and I love, 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 love uh, Francisco's art style. It's kind of gritty, but car- there's a cartoony vibe to it as well. Um, they really make Kipotnya, uh which is like a sub- the most crime-ridden suburb of Moscow, feel very bleak in the middle of a harsh Russian winter, feels gorgeous i also love roland's colors that see in a different way that i thought on earth was i don't know murky and lifeless this is more the same sort of colors but i I feel it's more
0: suitable for the story yeah
1: definitely um so yeah there's a lot of um i don't want to get into spoilers too much because i would definitely say pick it up on the trade but Eli, he basically gets into a lot of trouble with various different Russian gangs, and then he finds his own son embroiled with the same gangs, and basically has to get him out of trouble. And so, so begins an epic crime tale. I think uh, Michael was saying it's for friends of uh, Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Nope, oh, not bad. Not a bad thing to say, um, but if the writer's saying that, yeah, that's a big, big, big boots to fill. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. I'm Really, really chuffed for him to see it in print, and uh, as a living, breathing comic. So
2: very cool. Yeah, has
0: a nice little cliffhanger there as well. Oh yeah, with oh, uh, the main character's son. Yeah, turning up and saying does he's he responsible essentially for what he's investigating. So, yeah, I took that as well. Um, jumped in simply on Roddy's recommendation and met Michael a couple of times. Lovely bloke. Um, so, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And I've read some of his other stuff, Transdimensional. And, uh, yeah,
1: looking forward to see where it goes because started life as Kickstarter about a year ago. So I've read the first issue twice now. <laughs> so looking forward to number two.
0: And he owns about ten issues as well. He keeps yeah. just buying them just for... Get yeah, Michael my, sales my, my girlfriend stuff. got
1: one too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have about four. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, that's uh, pretty much the roundup of uh, the indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just to have another theme sort of couple of issues, just to chat about quickly. Um, we had our bat corner, I guess. We've got our Superman corner. A um, couple of titles this month that caught the eye. Um, two are for sort of lesser utilized characters. I sh- should say in their own titles. Um, in the Superman universe uh, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and then the third is uh, going to be
2: Superman up in the sky but Lois Lane seemed to really um, strike home for you Keith oh I think Lois Lane number one which is the first of a 12 issue maxi series as Jimmy Olsen is Yeah. But Keith
1: uh, I have a question for you last month you said on the was it the previous podcast
2: that i was gonna take issue one and
1: no 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 um it was something something you said about mary Jane about
2: uh supporting characters becoming main characters and not always been necessary yes yeah i
1: was gonna ask you does this change your mind uh do you
2: do? certainly does on this i think i think both with jimmy olsen and this probably 12 issues is probably spot on mm-hmm. um, I would also
0: say that both Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen I at face value I don't think anybody at this table had interest in no. yeah. then you saw Greg Rucka was on one and, and Matt fraction, fraction was on the other. other Yeah.
2: suddenly it has your attention uh, Lois Lane this issue was my favourite Issued by dc this year this month yeah rather. it was um, fantastic yeah it was very really very good. good greg rucka known for one of the best books on the shelves at the minute lazarus the single best world building book on the shelves um and future book club no doubt yeah absolutely <laughs> uh and also old guard yeah um old guard's one. old guard's fantastic and a wreck of stuff across dc and marvel uh, a variety of other uh, independent I mean my favourite
0: stuff Greg Rocca worked on was with the aforementioned Brewbaker and that was Gotham Central uh, on, uh, on he also computers.
2: he also took over from Baker on Daredevil and that's uh,
1: that's kind of what it reminded me of mm-hmm. a little bit Gotham Central because I love uh, and there was oh, what was the Marvel book The Pulse about the Daily Bugle did you ever read that no, Yeah, I know all of it it's very very good but I lo- I really like those kind of stories that put you on the grind.
2: Mm. I think, yeah, and I think this is it. This is this is uh, a story of politics and intrigue and espionage set against the backdrop of the DC universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, with a character who is very close to the central character of the DC universe. Um, so, uh, but the the first thing that got me was the the dialogue. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, we've got. Uh, uh, the direct hotel in Chicago. We've got uh, a uh, uh, a maid cleaning up the room while Lois laying and tuck tac tuck tack, tacks on her laptop. Uh, we've got the news on in the background. A lot going on here. So we uh, all around Lois. We've got a storm of things happening, you know. And uh, she's like, "I replace the tiles. Do you want the minibar restocked?" Doesn't doesn't respond. The minibar. Do you want the minibar restocked, Miss Lane? And uh, Lois says, "Lois is flat out in... You know, uh, journalist mode. She's uh, a special mention for the sticker on her laptop. This machine kills fascists. We, <laughs> uh, we uh, throwback to Woody Guthrie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she holds up her finger one minute until she finished, and she goes, "Tack, whoosh!" The machine goes off, and Lois goes, "Always and forever." The maid goes, "I'm sorry." The minibar restocked. Always and forever. You've been serving this room for months, Alexandra. We've got, we've got a thing going. Just make the bed, change the towels, restock the minibar. And don't worry about the mess. It's it's my job, Lois, so I ask anyway. Uh, especially if perhaps you're having company later. I'm happily married. Of course. Of course, after all. What is one kiss? Exactly, says Lois. With Superman, says Aleandra. Lois smirks. <laughs> says quite low. In the low. background. Says lower. More, More than, than one, kiddo. So this, obviously, there's, there's a thing that has happened, I guess, where Lois has been snapped kissing Superman. Mm-hmm. Whatever she's happily married to Clark Kent. Um so there's a there's a, a bit of a thing there. Uh great conversation with Perry White. Uh all of the things that we uh I guess all of the things that we're used to seeing from Lois, things that were I think that were that were actually um Great line there
0: about Perry saying like I let you go straight to press without a copy edit that'd make you return your Pulitzer yeah. to just turn auto cracked off, Lois.
2: Tell me, was the... You see the whole thing with Lois not being able to spell? Mm-hmm. Was that something from I Superman think that's existed for a long time. Was that from 1978 Superman? Yeah. Or I, was it? I yeah. think it might have been from there, yeah. yeah. But yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, we've got... Um, we've Bludgeon, got, by the way, is spelled with a U and not two. <laughs> and Collusion only has one U, Lois.
0: <laughs> so...
2: Yeah, great, great relationship between Perry and Lois. Um, turns a wee bit uh, sour whenever Perry tells her that uh, a fellow journalist, uh, a Russian journalist, has been has been killed. Um, Lois sort of starts going on the, the trail of that and what's happening there, and uh, you know she's meeting with she's meeting with uh, uh, contacts and. Yeah, connections. A fig- a figure and in
1: the, the dark.
2: Uh in the shadows in a trench coat yeah that's it And uh, she's looking for saying a reporter named Mariska Voronova was found dead today they're saying it was suicide, it wasn't she saw it coming, she kept backups in her hidden notes in case somewhere like this happened, she told me where to find them now I'm telling you, bring them to me so she's hiring someone to do a bit of that we we have uh, Superman, Clark, appearing as a background character yeah Karen is yeah. a booty call almost yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting yeah. so that's great they have a conversation where Clark is a wee bit annoyed because everybody's calling Lois a slut for being seen kissing Superman and Clark's a wee bit annoyed uh, you know it's just that I don't like it at all I, I don't like what these people say about you and I don't like that nobody seems to say it about him <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: so much like Stuff twisted on its head in this
2: yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, so really, really, really good stuff. Um, I say there's a there's a there's a real good story. Uh, we have the question featured again. And it's interesting as well, just to nip
0: back a little bit. But again, this shows that this is linked. Just just as you were saying with House of X, and you know, for the Fantastic Four, and you just got married recently, showing that it's linked to the rest uh-huh. of the universe. There's a line here where Clark says, "When are you going to tell me about that thing." About what? About the thing you're not telling me about what happened when you were in space with my father and our son. Oh, and just yeah. like not yet. That when I'm ready. Link it back to so again, and Superman. And yeah. The so but it's again, nice yeah, that it yeah.
2: shows it's all all linked. And they, you know, they talk about their they talk about their relationship. Um, you know, we each need to be able to keep secrets from one another. We each have to respect that. We've got a good thing, Clark, and it's not because we're we're relentlessly honest with each other. It's because we trust each other absolutely, entirely, and without hesitation. Uh, you know if I'm keeping something from you I've got a reason <laughs> so yeah interesting so yeah the question appears in Russia um, and I think it's really cool uh, you know Lois goes toe to toe with the uh, the White House press secretary uh, Leanne McCarthy who's obviously an analogue for the White House press secretary um, <laughs> for the current administration of bullbaggery. baggery um, so she, Lois goes toe to toe with this girl about uh, you deny that the administration is monetizing the separation of children from their families does that sound familiar mm. <laughs> you know um, and she just it's just awesome I'm not going to dignify that let's take another is that a denial Miss McCarthy Gloria do you we're talking about children as young as 18 months I think you need to answer the question answer the question Leanne answer the question so <laughs> that's awesome really really good stuff so it, it was such a good book uh, really good Greg Rucker and Mike Perkinson Art lovely lovely art um, feels very classic yeah it? it does it really There's does sort of so. classic 70s yeah sort of water water gate yeah. yeah yeah absolutely that, sort so of... that was such a good book I think 12 issues would just be nice for it yeah yeah absolutely and it's coming off I guess coming off the bag of eventlify them, that sort yeah. of stuff isn't it yeah so from the s- more serious
0: grounded side of the Superman Universe to the more slightly ridiculous ridiculous
2: <laughs> side but no less fun. Yep. Um, um, Jimmy Olsen Superman's pal another first issue another 12 issue maxi series didn't grab me quite the same way as Lois did. I don't know if I'm just maybe not as into comedy stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know but, uh, but Matt Fraction um, well known for Immortal Iron Fist and a variety of other well Immortal Iron Fist would be the, the one that I would, would jump out for me but he's been a a hockey, yeah, um, all sorts of stuff. It starts in the settlement of Newberstad that will eventually become uh, Metropolis, and we have uh, Jimmy Olsen's uh, great 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 grand something, Hal Quim Olsen, uh, a Norwegian who uh, you know has settled the law here, and um, uh, Alan and I argued about this that uh,
0: it's because he says it's Alexanderland that makes me think it's Lex. This. I'm convinced that it's um, oh hold on yeah and he calls yeah, it Lutherus. L- l- yeah. yeah so maybe
2: it is the Lutherus. okay
0: fair enough but, but it's just like it It introduces this whole it's the fall that kills you and then you get like this
2: two page thing and then it's like the end <laughs> yeah the end um, yeah so it's the history of the Olsons through through Metropolis and then we uh, we find Jimmy in a in a in a low in a low earth orbit, orbit in a space suit um, he's the subtitle being Superman's problem, Jimmy Olsen, instead of pal. Yeah, the pal who fell to earth. Um, you know, so Jimmy Jimmy is doing these blogs, and people are telling him to do things, and he's doing them, you know, and uh, it's kind of all very tongue-in-cheek. He jumps out, of the, jumps out of the plane, they've injected him with something, he turns into a human turtle. Uh, Clark Kent, who's very much the Clark Kent of, like, the 60s, goes, oh boy, sees Jimmy, turns into Superman, rescues him. Um, there's a whole thing. Uh, oh, the 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 spirit of Metropolis, this giant statue comes down as a result of Jimmy's Jimmy's uh, ridiculous experiment, and uh, back on Earth, Jimmy turns from his tortoise turtle form back into back into Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White, um, obviously follows on from this first adventure a wee bit it's a wee bit uh, like three or four stories in the one book yeah three or four chapters of the same story but uh, Perry White again it's definitely the best story of them all I think yeah Uh, where effectively it becomes clear that uh, becomes clear that after the destruction of the monarch of Monopolis um, we find out that the, the, the Daily Planet takes out an Olsen mitigation exclusion which is an insurance premium they pay specifically because of all the stupid things that Jimmy Olsen does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, it's all of this so effectively uh, Perry goes ahead we see a number of the silly things that he does but you know, he's getting ready to fire him, you know and uh, there's a really, really Uh, There's a turnaround then whenever they talk to the IT guy, IT Mike, and Jimmy is the only part of the Daily Planet that is digitized (laughs) and They're looking at his viewers as you see just click through subscription rates retention and total attention stats for Jimmy's last piece And then his number over here. That's what those numbers That's the, the amount that those numbers will bring and it turns out that in fact Jimmy is the only part of the Daily planet that is making any money because print media is dead effectively <laughs> Perry <laughs> turns you, in his head he's like you bless son. you son <laughs> <laughs> I guess i going to go punch an old dinosaur in the chops will you give our readers more of your special Jimmy Olsen viruses or whatever the hell no. <laughs> you know um, so and then meanwhile the publisher um, is chatting to Clark Kent again this 50s version 60s version of Clark Kent Kent can't you keep this kid quiet and out of trouble just for a little bit gosh Miss Leonie I wish I could, but that might only be a job for that Superman could handle. And he gives this big cheesy wink. He turns the page. And he's still big cheesy <laughs> wink, and she's going, "Okay, small <laughs> you world." Know, so then, the last story we have: uh, Superman's long-distance BFF, Jimmy Olsen, in Town. <laughs> he's just moving into this uh, this absolute flop house, uh, total mess rinse due each morning in cash, you can pay in advance for the week, I'll knock 20 bucks off, no smoking, no drinking, no fraternizing, no fighting, no cussing, no stabbing, no pets, uh, you know, so yeah, it's an absolute dive uh, as he's moving in, and it turns out that Jimmy is in Gotham, uh, as if the bat flying in the window didn't, didn't tell you that in the first place, uh, we don't know how Jimmy's ended up here, he doesn't know he's ended up here, and he goes, oh yeah, as he sticks his uh, up uh, his headline up on the wall. He says, I went ahead and got totally murdered. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> you know, there's a Daily Planet headline saying he killed Jimmy Olsen. So that leaves us with the mystery of if Jimmy Olsen's dead, who's Jimmy Olsen, and why is he investigating his own murder? So good stuff, great book, good fun. Not quite Lois Lane, but uh, I'll maybe.
1: Yeah, it's still. It's Steve, maybe, yeah. Steve, Steve Lieber yeah, on yeah. the arts looks very, yes, very Yes, it does,
2: it does. So interesting stuff yeah just
0: a nice fun book you know it's uh again they're they're characters that otherwise i would not be interested in the slightest but you know when you've got creative teams like that on board um like fraction obviously i'm a big fan through hawkeye but also just as more reverend stuff like sex criminals stuff like that um so yeah i'm i'm on uh, jimmy olsen as well i think it's cracking book um just wanted to throw a quick shout out for one last superman title um most months we usually do talk about Superman or action comics. I mean, action's definitely my preference out of the two, but this might be my new favorite Superman book at the moment. Um, I'll only chat about it quickly here because I think I'll be talking about it much more next month with issue two, but uh, this is Superman up in the sky. So this is uh, going to be a six issue mini series. What this is, is um, DC had signed this exclusive deal with Walmart to produce these 100 page spectaculars. And each issue would have maybe 16 pages of new material and then the rest would be reprints. So what they did in an interesting move was they inverted their writers from their main titles. So whereas you've got Brian Michael Bendis on Action Comics and Superman, they got him to uh, organise the uh, Batman title with Nick Derrington. It's called Batman Universe. And then what they've done is they've got the Batman writer Tom King to do this title, which is Superman Up in the Sky. So they've got Tom King writing this and Andy Kubert on art. I know I'm always accused of being, you know, a fully paid-up member of the cult of Tom King, but <laughs> this is a brilliant title so far. Um, of course, he can't resist having Batman on the second page, but <clears throat> it starts out with this case that uh, Batman has brought to Clark's attention of uh, <clears throat> a home invasion. So uh, the old, the parents are murdered. They have four foster children. Two of the girls died. One's missing one was found uh, shot but alive she's a Gotham Mercy and uh, Batman seems to have some sort of personal stake in this where he says go and visit the girl in hospital and the girl in the hospital tells her, tells Superman this story of how the people who broke in one of them was wearing a space suit and they took one of the other girls up in the sky so hence why it's called Superman up in the sky and um, you get a lot of sort of classic Clark stuff with um, Lois and with Perry uh, but He's being kept busy, Superman, he's, he's fighting off dinosaur invasions and Meteor heading for Earth and, you know, Brainiac uh, attacking and shielding families and all this. But at the back of his head, he's, he keeps thinking about this one missing little girl. And this leads to a brilliant conversation with uh, Pat Kent, which I think is one of the favourite things I've read all year. Um, it's just this one page where Clark is sort of huddled over a fence and Pat Kent's beside him. Clark says, there's nothing to be done. They need me here, Pa. Which they've just demonstrated all this stuff he's stopping. And uh, Pa's like, yeah, I suppose they do. Clark, who knows what's coming our way. Everything could fall tomorrow and the next day and the next. I have to hold it up. I can't just go flying off after one little girl. Pa can't. No, I suppose you can't. Clark, I'm with the whole Green Lantern Corps looking for her. They'll do more than I can do. They'll find her. Pa, yeah, I suppose they will and then it turns and he becomes more engaged in the conversation unless they don't that is and then well that little girl just won't be fine she'll be up there all alone hurt maybe scared waiting and waiting hoping you know little kids always got hope that's a lesson you gave me son you had every problem but you always had hope and she'll have it too no matter how lost she is she'll be thinking it's all right someone will save me and then it ends up being that uh, Superman chats to Batman quickly and the girl who was sick in hospital has actually died. Um, so now Superman is doubly determined he's going to drop everything and go off in search of this one girl. Has this great conversation with Lois. The art the whole way through it as well is utterly beautiful. Um, and that's the crux of the story. He leaves Earth and he goes off in search of this little girl. Um, is
2: this is, this, this is one of these Walmart books, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's six issues. So what, as I was saying, with, with the Walmart stuff, the first... Every part of it is from a Walmart special, but they've coll- collated the new material into the six issues. Um, but I'll not go any further than that, simply because next month, the amount that Keith talked about uh, House of X, I could talk about issue two. Oh, yeah? It is fucking fantastic. Um,
1: Someone with the boxing uh, the cover?
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, any, anyone who knows me knows I'm not the biggest Superman guy in the world. It takes Superman to be written well, for me to really enjoy it. Um, and this has been brilliant and I say that not just because it's Tom Keane but just Mm -hmm. in his class (laughs) Um, so yeah really really digging that it's going to be six issues Um, really really recommend it Uh, sort man up in the sky Um, so yeah uh, the last (laughs) sort of section we have because we couldn't find (laughs) any way way to put it together so we had the X report the Bat Corner Roddy's recovering of his Indy Chi uh, we'll work on that title the think, superman you know. corner the rest is just called the best from the rest um, which is just because July was such a fantastic month. Uh, it's, it's nuts I mean yeah the, the sheer wealth of great stuff was boring. Um what do I want to start with uh, do you want to go with Silver Surfer Black yeah I couldn't jump into that very quickly Mr. Um, Donny Cates Donny Cates and whose name sure uh, will appear later and that will be another long conversation next month with Mm. Absolute Carnage oh yes (laughs) Um, yeah just a quick shout out Silver Surfer Black it's five issues Uh, Donny Cate's continuing to do his own little uh, corner of the Marvel Universe he's linked together Venom he's linked together it with Silver Surfer Black and with Guardians of the Galaxy this issue focuses very much on a confrontation the Surfer has with Null who is the symbiote god um and it almost from Donny uh, Kate's from Donny Kid's Venom, Venom um, and essentially this whole issue is just Null chasing the Silver Surfer across the cosmos. The art style is totally wacky, totally psychedelic. Um, at one point, the symbiote takes over the Surfer, um, but he's actually able to break out of there. Um, yeah. It's it, it really is no more it's than it's like just, nothing just I've it. ever seen before.
1: Yeah. It looks so good.
0: The the artwork by uh Trad Moore is just absolutely stunning. Um I actually think this is one of the best books on the stands in terms of the art style.
1: Have did it do well with pre orders? Yeah.
0: No I mean for, obviously we can only talk about ourselves and our own store, but Silver Surfer Black has a good yeah. a good percentage of readers on it. Um and they all seem to be loving it as well. It's it's one of those ones that I often do get asked like when's the next issue when's yeah it? when's yeah. the next issue Yeah." because I
1: almost I don't know if it was me but I was like I felt like I think it was because I maybe it went straight to the top of my pile when I got it so I kind of now I, I was like oh yeah Silver Surfer <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so kinda,
1: I've kind of forgotten about it so maybe it feels to me like it hasn't really been talked about
0: enough well it's interesting because not too long ago i read a great four part series silver surfer requiem by jim egel straczynski and it was all about how the surfer was dying and then he went back to his home planet with silver surfer black i almost kind of think donny Cates is trying to do a little bit of an homage to that Mm -hmm. because as the surfer exerts himself more in these stories and sacrifices himself more more and more of his body is turning black so in the first issue his hand ended up turning black by the end of this issue his entire arm is black and i wonder if it's going to end with some massive sacrifice hence why it's called silver surfer black so i almost do wonder if this is almost like a little bit of an homage story to um
1: has he ever been a venom or carnage surfer before does he have the yeah carnage took over the
0: silver surfer before yeah yeah yeah, I think I actually have that story upstairs. Yeah. It's a uh, True Believers one that they released. It uh, originally was an amazing Spider-Man. Cool. But I mean, you get to the last page of it and the surfer is confronted by Ego. Um, it just looks like a Beatles album cover or something from the 60s. <laughs> it's <just> I've never <laughs> seen Ego look
2: quite so friendly. <laughs> it's just, it's such an incredible living planet. I Silver
1: Surfer's Lonely Hearts Club band. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: Yeah, it's just it's not like any other book on the stand so yeah really really digging it Um, it's
1: gorgeous really is a gorgeous book i'm liking this uh donny kids fella
0: yeah i mean i i've been a fan of his for years i mean it was more as in work with got god 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 country redneck um a story called buzzkill about a superhero who had superpowers when he was drunk um (laughs) which i understood later on had personal stakes in the story as well but yeah I mean Marvel are putting a lot of trust in this guy and he's delivering with everything he's doing Um, and again next month I know Keith hasn't had the chance to read it just yet but I'll get there I was was pretty blown away by Absolute Carnage and I didn't expect to be
1: same because I the only tie I have to Venom is Silver Surfer Black so I'm going to have to get this Venom run at some point and pick it up but I knew nothing about Absolute Carnage, but as
0: soon as
2: you read it, you were like, "That was it, yeah." I, I like, want to go oh back gosh. and read some more, yeah, yeah,
1: because um, they sort of gave you all you needed to know at the start, I think.
2: Yeah, you got the Stephanie Hans cover in this.
0: Oh, I absolutely, she did. Um, the benefits of owning a comic store. Sometimes
2: uh, the Stephanie Hans variant cover for the next title, Sue Storm Richards is not a force to be trifled with. Cosmic Ray's gifted with the power to make herself unseen, at well and project invisible force fields around herself and make those and fight and those she fights to protect. She's a devoted wife, a fearless mother, and a fierce member of the Fantastic Four. She is the Invisible Woman in Mark Waid's The Invisible Woman. The longest title of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, obviously we have uh, Sue Storm Richards from the uh, the Fantastic Four. Uh, It starts ten years ago at at the... Baselstan-Hungary border uh, in Europe and uh, we see Sue and her partner at the time, uh, her, her, her partner in spying, her partner in espionage, a guy called Aidan, um, you know, trying to smuggle some folks over the, over the border. Um, I almost have to be careful going through this because I only read number two
0: last night. Oh, yeah? And I don't want to get story details mixed up. Who okay. did the art
2: on the this? Art is, uh, the art is... absolutely The art is de, 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 de Elias, and I think it's computer generated, is it? It's... Potentially, it's really yeah, smooth. It's
1: it's, it's, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really, it's really lovely. lovely. It's
2: really lovely. Um, so, yeah, we see Sue uh, <laughs> making really uh, interesting use of her powers. Um... You know, turning guns invisible in order that they you know people are troubleshooting them and, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, we see a relationship between her and Eden. Uh, nice save, square Josh. she says, "Don't mention it, Stormy." I will. Great save, so cocky. You know, so these two have clearly uh, have a have a working relationship. Yeah. friendly working relationship. Good rapport. Um, yeah, great rapport. Uh, they are under the auspices of Nick Fury, but uh, it's a long time since we've seen the original Nick Fury. Uh, so it's great to see him in here. Um, and we pick up in New York City. Uh, you know, as Sue sheds her uh, her spy gear, and uh, under it she has her Fantastic Four uniform, and says, "You know, Aiden saying uh, any chance I can catch some personal time." And she says, "Sorry, Square Jaw, but I'm engaged." And even if I'm, even if it weren't, I'm pretty busy. She floats off an invisible disc, saying, "I have a day job." We all know what her day job is. Her Fantastic Four uniform picks up today. Um we see, you know, Sue introducing herself. She says she's a kaleidoscope. She's an adventurer, a mother, a wife, a big sister, a friend. Uh you know, she's one of the Fantastic Four. She spent years touring the wonders of the multiverse. Um you know, uh but you know, she's witnessed sights, galaxies birthing, galaxies dying, you know, spectacles of cosmic splendour, but the most beautiful thing in it is this. And she's just having a really quiet Perfect cup of coffee, decent haircut, sitting reading a book. Um you know, she's using her powers uh quirkily, and she's summer someone to uh Langley, Virginia, where uh yeah, she seems she's she's about to be to be put to work by um by Shield. Um it seems that her former buddy Aiden, Squarejaw, uh has been uh has been captured, isn't that right? Yeah. And uh, he left only one uh, coded message, only one word. Stormy, her nickname for him. Or for her, her, his nickname for her, big yeah, part. That's it. So, uh, so yeah, so Sue is uh, re enlisted again as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, she. We, we see now, this must be years later, and we see uh, the new Nick Fury, Nick Fury's oh. son, uh, who she's now working with. And she's insisting that she's going to be going after after Aiden.
0: Um, I love the disdain with which the uh, CIA chief talks. Miss
2: Richards, we brought you in from your pretty little superhero world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Sue so uh, pilots an invisible craft to Madripoor, which we all know in Marvel is the island of scum and villainy, um, where... Uh, again they've sort of depowered over the years Sue's become really really powerful she's considered the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four but for this they seem to have brought her down to a more um a more manageable power level so she heads to Murder Poor she's using her powers quite in a, in a really interesting way and she meets up with uh, Black Widow who has been expecting her so yeah really enjoyed the first issue of this uh, second issue is very good as well so um, I'm looking Mark Wade um Mark Wade had plenty going on this month. Um, do you want me just to get straight into his other book?
0: I go for it. Um,
2: Mark Wade's other book being the history of the Marvel Universe—a pretty big one. Yeah. Um, so uh, Mark Wade, Javier Rodriguez with uh, Alvaro Lopez. Um, it's the first. Of, sorry, Invisible Woman is how many issues? I think it's going to be five. Five. And uh history of the Marvel Universe. Six. Six. So first issue of this was fantastic. It took the Marvel Universe from uh it's it is exactly what it says in the ten. It's it starts off with Galactus and Franklin Richards, the last remaining uh the last remaining sentient creatures at the end of time. Mm-hmm. And uh it's been so long that Franklin can't remember history, can't remember what's happened to him, what he's been through, and so asks Galactus to retell him effectively mm-hmm. and Galactus So the whole thing is a bedtime story? Yeah, effectively it's an end of an end of the yeah. yeah. universe story uh, a, a story about the universe told at the end of the universe it's kind of lovely uh, and it starts with the, the very very beginnings of the, the, the Marvel Universe where uh, with the second big bang where Galactus or, or uh, Galen Ta comes through the, the person who will become Galactus is the last survivor of the old universe and is shot through to the new universe and uh, it talks about the Watchers. It goes through all the the really the major points of the Marvel Universe. It goes right through the Asgardian gods and the the humans and the Eternals and the birth of mutants. Uh, everything, the whole. So this this takes us from right through prehistory. The, the Jason Arons, um one million years BC Avengers yeah. uh, are in there. So what they're doing is they're effectively tying everything in together all the old stuff all the new stuff going this is the official chronology of the marvel universe at this Mm, at this present time um not only that but in the back it's all referenced so the bits that galactus is telling um franklin it'll go you can find this and issue such and such of that you can find that and issue such and such of that you can Mm -hmm, can find this about you know the the origin of apocalypse and rise of apocalypse issues one to four you can you know so it's a really good way of just going through and going, Oh, if it was interesting, that I could you know, yeah. but it in itself is a good tale. It's really cool. Uh, and it all joins together very, very nicely. So I enjoyed this. Really looking forward to the next one. So Mark Waid's Invisible Woman and Mark Waid's History of the Marvel Universe. Great to see Mark Waid back at it again. Yeah. He's been a he's been a mainstay of the Marvel Universe for a long, long, long time and it's been a while since yeah. you know he's been he's been at it, you know. He's well, been
0: more. having sort of issue legality, uh, legal issues, I should say. Oh, with those pricks, yeah. the pricks, yeah. Comic kids yeah, that's and, right. I don't know, he was crowdfunding and stuff like that for people to yeah. look after legal costs and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's good to see him doing what he does best, and that's yeah, just writing great comics. Yeah,
2: exactly. So highly recommend that, uh, History of the Marvel Universe, if you're in any way a fan of the Marvel Universe. or well,
0: maybe a good wee segue from that, just be quickly into Marvel's epilogue number one. Um, so... <clears throat> Marvels itself, of course, has recently went through its uh, its annotated editions, um, really premium oh. books for a premium story. 25th
1: anniversary? 20th anniversary?
0: 25th anniversary of Marvels, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which again, you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me say about, you know, obviously Keith introducing me to Marvels and just how, how highly I would regard it now, uh-huh. uh, but this was the first time there's been some new material, Yeah. Um, this is a brand new 16-page story. Kurt Busiek back writing, um, Alex Ross back on art, and, and what a beautiful you thing want to talk it is. beautiful
2: art? You look at this book. Yeah, oh, so good, so good. It, uh, it takes place in a classic, uh, within a classic X-Men story. Um, I remember reading it at the time, um, or not at the time. I've read it since, it's in the '70s and the X-Men are down at uh, is it like Central Park? Um, I don't know where the place is in the middle of New York Rockefeller all Center Rockefeller it? Center and they're all in their civvies. Uh so you've Christmas got Nightcrawler yeah. Right? yeah Colossus, Storm Jean Grey Cyclops Banshee Kitty Pryde um, there's some There's even on this page there's some cameos there's uh, Nick Fury by the looks of it and uh, well there's Wolverine I think that's maybe Matt Murdock Daredevil uh, mm. not sure but Phil Phil um What's our fellow surname? One now. Phil Sheldon. Phil Sheldon. There you are, writer knows writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Phil Sheldon's out with his two now sort of nearly grown-up daughters, um, and I guess he's more or less retired from the from the whole Marvels thing. He's he's sort of lost his lost his mojo a wee bit, or he's he's been too close to it for too long, and uh, and all of that. And he, he he talks about this and that and the other and. Uh, the things that he's been through and then the Sentinels attack the X Men uh, here at the Rockefeller Centre and uh, they they're called to action with Phil and his daughter stuck in the middle. Um we watch as Banshee screams and she sort of blows off his own costume, <coughs> flies out of the air. And then there's a there's a really seminal scene where um, Storm calls down the lightning, you know, and next thing she's fully costumed in her in her classic uh, classic leather another costume uh, and together they take on the Sentinels as the girls watch absolutely awestruck by what's happening all illustrated in the gorgeous uh, the gorgeous paints of Alex Ross um, we see the aftermath as the police try and tidy up and the girls still don't want to leave they've been snapping away on their cameras um, you know uh, there's a strange wee moment where Nova appears uh, to help the cops tidy up again I think that, that, can I help or something yeah, yeah. he uh, the, there's a reason he was included because he was he was around at the same time and I think uh, Kurt Busiek felt like he needed to include one of the, the newer generation of heroes at that time as well so uh, and the girls of course who are a new generation of photographers are absolutely enamoured by this new hero mm. you know so the X-Men are older heroes that Phil has already chronicled uh, their entire
0: history yeah
2: exactly and you know so this is a new generation of marbles and this is a new generation of, of people who are interested in chronicling it. So, and we you know we see a bit of uh, a bit of a montage of Phil's history the the uh, birth of the original android human torch, fights between the Thing and, and Hulk, um, you know the Caps Cookie Cookie Quartet, uh, Mole Man's monsters that classic giant man striding across the buildings, the Sentinels. Um, yeah, so uh yeah, it's it's Phil's kinda of, yeah, it's just great. It's just uh you know, he's explaining to them that all the cool things he's seen, it's scary, it's exciting, it's thrilling, all of it at once. You know, and then it's uh, it's off to a cab because their mum's gonna freak out whenever she finds out that I let you two stay up and watch. <laughs> you know, so I guess the 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 inference is that those girls are ready to pick up where he left off. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. you know, so so yeah, lovely. Lovely, very very good. Some great, really beautiful. Some great background material as well. Um, it doesn't have the annotations that I think we've come become used yeah. to after Marvel's annotated, <clears> but <throat> it's
0: basically a big long interview, isn't yeah, it? Alex Ross and and you know, you even have a reproduction of that classic yeah. X Men page. Uh,
2: you know, you look at the yeah, you look at the classic page in Uncanny X Men, and then you look back at at, um, Alex, at Alex Ross's version of it. Hmm. You
1: know.
2: yeah it's very interesting yeah, sort of comparison a, uh, between an older art style really really good sorry that wasn't really good radio <laughs> Ronnie and I sat and <laughs> yes, marveled no, and, uh, marveled so, yeah. at and, yeah. Yeah, so very very good stuff uh, the the implication is is that you know um, I guess this will be the last of Busek and Alex Ross yeah. working on Marvels which is a sad thought but uh, great that they you know they're talking about maybe they'll come back and revisit it in 50 years time you know (laughs) yeah I mean
0: I suppose what's interesting because Marvel's (laughs) came out 25 years ago you could easily do a follow up book filling in what happened in the 25 years since. Oh, yeah. Exactly, with yeah. the girls taking up the baton from. Yeah,
1: yeah. A lot of Deadpool, X-Force,
0: oh. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Well, I was thinking more sort of Civil War yeah. and, yeah. you know, Secret Invasion and, you know, well, stuff that like the, that. That
2: was the thing about the end of Marvels. It was Danny Ketch was the Ghost Rider who appeared. Yeah. He was the kid. So, anyway, Marvel's love <laughs> That was worth the wait. Um, good good is stuff. Is
1: that the what i'm trying to say is that alex ross's first sequential stuff in a long long
0: time uh, i would say I so think so yeah I and mean, obviously he's been doing a lot of covers recently he does captain america covers immortal hulk covers um i think it is though Has is he, he doing
1: some stuff for dynamite look that up.
0: He, he, again he does covers he's done the shadow Green hornet he's done a lot of stuff like that but mm.
2: Um, cool when you're as good as he is you only need to do covers <laughs> yeah I would love some original Alex Ross pieces there's that that particular one of Spider-Man standing fighting standing in the window mm-hmm uh, fighting Green Goblin you know and it's just looking the people looking out of the window yeah it's from their point of view it's fantastic really lovely well, ridiculously talented guy mm-hmm.
0: um yes yeah, so that was Marvel's epilogue number one
2: uh with a Savage Sword of Conan maybe not? Yeah, just a quick quick mention. Um, the Conan books are still going really strong. Um, there's two two real core Conan books, I guess Conan the Barbarian, Savage Sword of Conan, and Jim Zub uh, from, uh, I guess, the, those Avengers 12 partners and right of other bits has uh, has picked up Savage Sword of Conan from Jerry Dugan um, with issue seven. So, uh, uh, Patrick Zercher is on the art. Look at that, isn't that awesome? Um, so uh, picks up with Conan walking in on uh, what looks like he's, uh, a merchant about to be set upon by some lads uh, Conan of course tears him apart in some cases literally and uh, finds himself a job with with this merchant um, uh, Maratus Materi uh, and Conan is his usual, usual self, you know, he's only interested in gold Um, you know so if you want to hire me you best have your skills handy Um, you know but Conan accompanies uh, the merchant to uh, the Demon's Den which is a betting house and Bodry house and so forth and so on where he is to meet the owner of the house Conan's a wee bit what the hell Um, he meets a mysterious woman as Conan is often want to do Uh, she gives him some sort of fortune-ish type thing and uh, we meet Kero the Callus, who is the, the owner of the house, and uh, our merchant, uh, who now considers Conan as his brother in arms, and uh, ties Conan into a deal with this game, this card game. Um, you know, Conan's effectively a second. They play this game called Serpent's Bluff. It's a deceptively simple card game, and they actually explain the rules. Each player tries to assemble cards in front of them, totaling as close to 13 as possible without going over. There are special cards that add complications. A servant can eat other cards, adjusting the total. A king protects from a servant attack, A which allows a player to see it in card. Um, all the special cards can be played face down as a bluff, beating the other player to call it out if they do and they're wrong a penalty is paid. So anyway, uh, things go bad when Moradus has a heart attack and dies, and leaves Conan to uh, Sheath his sword because he's totally outnumbered and the only way that he can find his way out of this is to sit down and take over the card game with uh, Kelo the Kallus. Okay. Uh, cool. and thus hither became hither came Conan the Gambler but it was a really great story and not only that but they've included uh downloads of all the cards and the rules of the card game oh, so you can nice. play it yourself yeah. this, this serpent's
1: uh it sounded really cool when you said that yeah, I was like, yeah yeah that could be um,
2: awesome. you know so yeah so it's, it's pretty pretty gravy so i really really enjoyed conan uh the conan stuff uh has been going great Jim Zub on savage sword with patrick zurcher the arts great yeah so they need to get on savage Sword. yeah i think you should uh, yeah just jock the wood <laughs>
0: Cool. So, Savage Sword of Conan. um, Under one of the Marvel books I'm sort of enjoying at the moment, uh, Daredevil. Uh Uh, Sadarsky continues to impress with his uh, take on the life of Matt Murdock at the moment, um, which is very much a Matt Murdock book at the moment rather than a Daredevil book. Mm -hmm. Um, Issue 8 has a very simple setup. Uh, Matt has been getting quite close to... um, a woman who works in a bookshop he's been enjoying going to well he's been stalking her in a real creepy way essentially yeah yeah. I mean I didn't want to go as creepy as that but you're not wrong Um, she even calls him a retail creep yeah (laughs) Um, because Matt's always been a confident guy and he always seems to think that every woman he meets is instantly attracted to him but his, uh, his ego was really badly hurt I think it was in the last issue when there was no increased heartbeat from her there was no extra perspiration. He was just like this woman is not attracted to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, she calls him a retail creep, which she defines as a guy who mistakes excellent customer service for affection and flirting. Um, but uh, yeah, the crux of the issue is that uh, he's invited to um, to dinner with this woman. He does know she's married. It's going to be dinner with her husband's and family, um, and then the rest. Of, there is a little uh, interlude with. Uh, Wilson Fisk chatting with the Senator I
2: believe yep Senator about uh, legislation that's going to help uh, it's going to help um, the Governor and uh, I guess um, uh, well Fisk is trying to go is trying to go straight I guess as the Mayor of New York you know yeah because uh, he's given away all of his criminal interests yeah, at this exactly. point exactly you know he's trying to make all his income legal and so forth and so on but he's still very much the kingpin yeah um, as we can see whenever the Governor says uh you know, Fisk, i, I, I got to say I was a little nervous meeting you out here. And Fisk goes, do tell. I mean, your reputation, can I admit something? I actually had my men, snipers, all set up in the woods behind us in case you know something went south. Fisk goes, I know. Shoots a bird out of the air. My men were, we're behind your men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not one up in him. Uh, so, yeah, the rest of the issue is just essentially Matt at dinner with um, this family, but what he didn't pick up on was that she's actually married into a crime family. Um, you sort of see it bit by bit uh, with Matt realizing where it's just like, oh shit, and all this kind of stuff. And he ends up sitting at the uh, table with uh, where are we? The name, it's like the Libri family. The, the Libri it? family, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Um, which uh, Most notable for never suffering any major arrest, multiple assaults, possession of weapons, one attempt to pin tax fraud on a cousin, that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is the woman who he has been flirting with and all the rest. She clearly doesn't, she knows what she's married into, but she doesn't really approve of much of it. She just sort of craves for a normal life. But there's a really great panel where she's just very sadly eating at her dinner. Um, where he's, you can see Matt has said, I probably would have declined the invitation if I'd known. Um, and you can just tell, you know, she's a bit depressed about kind well, of a normal like, I conversation. Feel
2: like, I feel like she nearly invited Matt to make them. Or to certainly make her husband think, or jealous, or annoyed, or something, you know. Yeah, just to provoke a reaction, I yeah. suppose, as much as anything. But yeah, it gets quite it gets quite tense, the conversation. It's very cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conversation, because it's all about, obviously, they're a crime family, and Matt's very firmly on the side of the law, and he starts lecturing them about how, you know, the life of a criminal is about theft and harm, and one of them actually starts laughing and says, look, pal, you want to talk quality." This entire city is built on an inequality. I grew up watching neighbourhoods get gutted by the rich, working class people making the city livable. Then the wealthy fucks take notice and swoop in, ban it up, hiking up the rents. Meanwhile, your people, the lawyers in your thousand dollar suits throw the book at guys trying to get by in a system that won't let them. You know, it becomes a very ethical debate. And it's it's very grown up, very intelligent, and it's very interesting. Um, and as you say, it all gets very tense and then all comes to a head when bullets start flying through the window and Matt actually does his best to save all of these criminals yeah, yeah, yeah. which in itself is interesting uh-huh. um, but yeah I'm, I'm just really really digging Daredevil I have read issue 9 as well um, which is a really wonderful issue follows that up wonder- uh, brilliantly as well so yeah okay cool um, yeah that's Sadarsky continuing to do the, the Lord's work on Daredevil <laughs> uh, but uh, I suppose we'll finish off the uh, the wee Marvel, well, the second Marvel section. I suppose you wanted to show a bit of uh, love the way of Jason Iron. Surprise, surprise!
2: Well, for Thank the second man. time tonight, yeah, it does come up increasingly in our in our conversations, I guess. So uh, this was a nice book, Thor number uh, fifteen. Um, why was it nice? Uh, Is that
1: our friend Isab Rubik on the cover?
2: Was it uh, that? Or is Mike a, Del Mundo on the cover? Uh, who analogies. is also is also the cover? is also the the internal artist. It's gorgeous. Um, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, we have uh, the moment where uh, I guess this is the this is the summation and the end of uh, War the Realms, Realms. That, you know. So we're summing it all up because um, uh, Odin has now, now declared Thor to be the All Father. Uh, he's given up the the role of All Father. And uh, it kind of calls back. Do you remember the issue of Thor where we had Thor and Odin fighting, and the whole way through, Odin was talking to himself, going, "I can't tell you that I, yes, you yeah, know." Yeah. So this is this is sort of it. Uh, Thor goes, "Father, you cannot mean he Goes, "By all the gods, hold holy, I do, boy." After everything we've been through, you have earned this more than any Asgardian who's ever lived. So he's finally able to tell Thor what he after the the, the War of the Realms, you know, and. You know what he thinks of them, so it's kind of lovely. Um, we've got uh, Jane has absorbed the uh, the Warthor's hammer into your into her body, and is becoming something something else. Um, so it's all it's a clean up really from from War of the Realms. Um, you know Loki and, and uh, all of that stuff, um, and the the final the final fate of Malekith. So is this is Thor just going to be for a couple of issues then, and then it's going to lead into King Thor? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that's it. But what's kind that's of, kind of interesting. Where was it? Um, uh, you know, Thor decides he can't. He can't. Um, he has to say He has to become the Thor. I am still my own Thor, you know. But he can't turn his back on the on the realms, especially after after now that. that it's great as need you know Um, and this is the bit you know Odin goes I know what you need Thunder God I have always known I was just too weak too much of a damn card but not anymore Uh, Odin is the way uh, and the wrath and the wonder Odin is the all God Odin is Asgard Odin is and Odin Odin is proud of you Thor in the name of all gods I am proud of my son and uh, he's got all three of the Thors. Remember, if you remember, War of the Realms ended with uh, Thor getting all the Thors from all the times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of interesting. And then we see Malakas ends. You know, and it looks like uh, the the gods of death, the goddesses of death, are, are uh, going to use the the moths that tore his body apart. Uh, and in actual fact, they uh, they make him watch as his younger self is is licked and uh, <laughs> and plays with all these puppies for eternity so it was kind of it was just a nice it was just a nice end to to the war of the realms anyway uh thor uh 15 we're getting very very close <coughs> to to the end of orange run now um i don't know if we if he has any more on the regular thor
0: said there to be concluded so yeah. um i would imagine you'll
2: have definitely one more issue there next month we bid mike del Mundo, an emotional goodbye for the final issue of thor And then starting in September, Jason Aaron reunites with artist side Riddick for the conclusion to the epic run that began seven years ago. This is the book you can't miss, Jason Aaron's last Thor story, King Thor. So yeah, coming to an end finally.
0: Oh, the tears that you will shed. (laughs) Oh,
2: I'm telling you. I am telling you. And all the Thor books you'll have to read.
0: friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man 6 eat your heart out the tears will be flowing um, but Jay, yeah, you were saying there was another Jason Iron one
2: yes the, whenever we're in Jason Iron land we'll, we'll pick up uh, Avengers 21 um, so this was a really interesting one which have christened the hot tub issue <laughs> 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 so it's really interesting again it's the finale of you know it's after the, uh, the War of the Realms and we have Avengers Mountain the undersea levels the day after the war Thor, as we know, is now worthy of his hammer again, and he's, he drops it and he picks it up. And he, Thor, someone says, Ir- Iron Man, who's Tony Stark, he's sitting wearing his Iron Man helmet. They're they're sitting in this hot tub, you know, this natural hot tub in under sea levels. Are you going to keep doing that? I, I hope so. You know, and it's clear that Thor is still worried that he might not be worthy, so he keeps picking the hammer up. <laughs> so you're seeing that you're seeing his. He's not, not security, quite he's not yeah. in security, you know. Meanwhile, you know, uh, Steve turns up, you know, and he just can't switch off, you know. Um, you know <laughs> uh, Tony says, see, they're and he goes, you've always been the only god I'd follow to hell and back. Uh, and you can tell Hercules I said that. Stark, your words strike me like lightning, my comrade, even though we have not always seen eye Not even going to make an eye joke. Not going to do it, because <laughs> <laughs> Thor obviously lost his eye. Know that, if I could... Have the only could have only one mortal to stand by my side, no matter what foe we faced. Tony says, "You choose, Steve." We'd all choose Steve. Well, I I suppose so. But if the fight was in mid air, <laughs> Steve in full costume turns up at the hot tub. Who are we fighting? I've got a quinjet standing by. Steve just can't turn off. You know when the guys go, lad, get in here and have a soak. You know what I mean. So the big three now end up in the hot tub. You know, <laughs> you know. uh it turns Steve out Steve using the
0: shield to protect
2: his modesty yeah exactly <laughs> you know and uh, five minutes there are reports of a few straggling trolls still left in and uh, Thor goes sending a thunderstorm oh, Tony goes sending a hunkbuster armour okay maybe six minutes oh boy Avengers <laughs> is you know so <laughs> it's going pretty well Black Panther meanwhile who is uh, in charge is visiting uh, Phil Coulson who's up to some Creepy things with this mysterious Squadron Supreme, and it looks like he's got a whole lot of original Nick like, Fury life model decoys protecting him. So that doesn't go well. Um, uh, back in the uh, back in the uh, in the Avengers Mountain, um, I guess uh, She Hulk's returning, having uh, having uh, been fighting a lot of trolls and stuff at the end, and uh, Blades they're they're hanging out and uh, talking about being monsters. Uh, Ghost Rider and Captain Marvel are out in the middle of the sea taking on the last of the muscle hulling fire sharks and they're talking about you know Ghost Rider he's still really insecure about his powers and so forth and so on and and that uh, they end up heading back to the hot tub Um, you know it's uh, Captain Marvel gets in and uh, interestingly robbie ray's ghost Rider. he gets in with his spider-man t-shirt on he's the only one that's not willing to take off his shirt get into the hot tub (laughs) as if he's at school like Yeah. so it's a really um it's a really interesting you know you're seeing the avengers relax in this Mm -hmm. in this hot tub and then (laughs) and then hulk turns up she Hulk turns up says make room she's completely naked she goes (laughs) hulk coming in steve averts his eyes oh lord (laughs) <laughs> Tony can't help but look hub tub of miracles Or <laughs> Thor's just huzzah <laughs> you know, Captain Marvel's covering his eyes <laughs> so it, it's uh, oh, it's a re- just a really lovely issue um, you know about I guess about families and at the end we've got you know we've got the all the insecurities you know uh, someone says well oh, look well, at those
0: thought bubbles yeah I know look stop at those thought bubbles yeah yeah yeah
2: You know, someone says, when we're all open and comfortable together, Stark's thinking, I think I'm just a backup copy of the real Tony Stark. Would the real Tony Stark like this hot tub so much? Uh, Steve's listing all the things Starbrand, the Paralite, Neymar, the Squadron, Russians, what else? You know, uh, She Hulk's in the background asleep. You know, Thor looks around at his hammer and his, his head, he's saying, What was that? Did I just stop being worthy? I should pick up the hammer again, but what if I can't? you know, and Captain Marvel, she's getting cold, she so goes, we're not ready yet, not yet, we have to be, we have to be ready when the creek come, and Ghost Rider, he's going, I'm still terrified, you know, so it's, it's a really lovely, it's a really lovely issue, you know, just of them, them getting together and then those final thoughts of, you know, again, that's why I miss thought bubbles, thought bubbles, <laughs> really good out, yeah. Nice one. Cool.
1: <laughs> Jason Aaron can um, do no wrong. Well I'm with, sure. Uh, as, yeah, if he, as if
0: he couldn't already not do any more wrong, he then introduces thought bubbles. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> what a guy.
2: One last, uh, Any more Marvel you want to throw in there as a quick one? Uh, uh, Fantastic Four Prodigal Son by Peter David, the first of three Prodigal Son books. Yeah, across. It's sort a little
0: mini-event that's yeah. very under-advertised, but based on this first issue, something to... Yeah, it, it was
2: very, very good, very well written by Peter David. Um, really showcased the Fantastic Four, Shanna the Sea Devil, and uh, Kazar, and their son. Some, some really fantastic dialogue, really lovely dialogue um, between uh, Kazar and Shanna's son, Matt, and Valeria, the son, the daughter of Mister Mr. Fantastic So. Worth the read. It's it's going through Silver Surfer and one shot Guardians the Galaxy, Galaxy in one yeah. shot. Silver Surfer's out this week. Uh, Jason Aaron and Al Ewing on Jane Foster Valkyrie issue one was fantastic. Mm. Really, really good. A supporting character becoming a hero. <laughs> wow. Well, this is the week for it. Yeah. Um, with the, with Jason Aaron and Al Ewing on it's not going to be bad. Jason Aaron Avengers and we just spoken about him, Al Ewing Immortal Hulk. Um, there's some really good stuff going on there. Um Wolverine Blade was good fun. Good crack. Uh the new Arc of G- 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 Guardians of the What do you call them? Guardians Guardians of, the of the Galaxy. <laughs> the Death of Rocket, that was shocking. Uh Captain America and the Invaders was just a fantastic uh it was Captain America's first adventure, effectively, wasn't it? Yeah. With uh with the Human Torch. There was no Human Torch was a really great book. And I think finally for me, um Nick Spencer's Spider-Man 25 was a great story. It kind of has reset the status quo of Spider-Man after Hunted back to a place where I, I guess Nick Spencer maybe was reading Spider-Man at that time and thought I like the status quo with uh, Peter at uh, Peter at college and Mary Jane as an actress and supermodel so there was a whole lot of wee throwbacks to that and uh, just a great story. Mysterio Uh, Electro uh, the female Electro and um, some really great a really great role for Mary Jane and the revelation of this new villain that's been hanging in the background and what they're up to so looking forward to seeing where amazing will be going going forward so I think that sort of calls it a day for me
0: (laughs) and then he reveals the book at the bottom of the pile (laughs) that's what you wanted to
2: talk about I believe
0: yeah I think at this point approaching the 3R mark, I think we'll just throw in one more big review and that'll probably be us for the night, but uh, yeah easily one of the best things I've read this year um, I've been sort of slightly not, not fighting Keith on this, but maybe refusing to accept that this will probably be the series of the year <laughs> and uh, after I read this issue I may have messaged him and went you might be right. <laughs> uh, this, of course, is as we talk about every month, but there's a reason for that. It really is that good. And This is Spider-Man Life Story, uh, Chip Zdarsky writing, Mark Bagley on art, and we've now reached the 2000s, and this was an issue similar to Last Night on Earth 2 in a way in that the more I read it I just kept thinking this can't get better and it just kept getting better mm. um, I mean even just from the cover straight away you know a little play on Captain America's outfit but also incorporating the Twin Towers there as well mm-hmm. um, simple but
2: brilliant a bit like the idea for this which is in general that Spider-Man edges normally from 1962 right up to now you know so and it's continuing so um, and it's a very dark opening It is, and this was was a revisit in a story. It was actually a Peter David story, if I recall, Mm -hmm. that was not terribly well accepted at the time. Uh, It wasn't considered to be awesome. Um,
1: Yeah, like, who the hell is this guy? So we should...
0: yeah. Just to reiterate, I mean, the issue four ended with Peter is sort of retiring to the suburbs with Mary Jane and yep. the two kids, leaving Ben um, Riley. And Ben Riley
2: has taken over as the Spider-Man protecting New York mm-hmm. and is killed by Moreland in the first two issues of this <laughs> series. This this is an issue. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Peter is uh, safe at home with his two grown-up kids and Mary Jane. Um, he's obviously in his what. 50s now? Uh,
0: yes, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Teens in the 60s, yeah.
2: And he says obviously uh, sees that Sp- on TV Spider Man is dead and revealed to be uh, industrialist Peter Parker, because of course the world thinks that Ben Reilly is Peter Parker. Yeah. Peter, Peter willed everything to Ben, gave him Parker Industries and all of that. So um, it becomes clear that over the years on his trips to New York, Peter has been taking his mask with him and doing little heroic things here and there, and his uh, his daughter, who is not called May, she's called Claire, um, you know, sort of inspires him a wee bit. Uh, we see a shot there of uh, the masked Peter Parker helping out at the, the destruction of the Twin yeah. Towers, uh, which kind of is a callback to that uh, classic issue of Spider-Man that was released whenever the towers Jim. fell. <coughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what? Marlon was J. Michael Stodrinsk as well. It wasn't Peter David, my mistake. Oh, is it the same run? Was yeah, it, it was. That it that coming home one? Yeah, it was, was it? It. yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, that dial, uh, That sort
0: of narration alone, just for, obviously, 9-11 is wonderful. You know, the city was in chaos. People without powers were sacrificing themselves. Of course, you helped. I saw you on the news, just a quick shot, and I knew... But even then, it took me months to realise you had the mask on you, you took it with you, you'd done this before. Mm-hmm. Because the dad I know, he can't turn away when he sees people
2: in need. Um, so I guess we're we're at the centre here of uh, with Secretary Stark, who's the Secretary of Defence now. Um, Mark Bagley's a classic Spider-Man artist. He's a seminal Spider-Man artist of the, the 90s. Um, I do maybe wish that he could, he could maybe make it look, because that suit of Starks looks like it's from the 70s. Maybe change the fashion a wee bit, you know. Maybe I guess keep up with it. That would be my only complaint. Um, So we have Secretary Stark waiting for Peter, and uh, he's talking about the uh, superhuman registration. We're obviously right in the core of the Civil War here. Um, uh, Stark reveals his his Avengers. um, uh, Just uh, as as Morlin trying to track down Peter lands with uh, Peter's children and Mary Jane. Um, comes through the wall. Uh, Peter's trying to avoid being taken down by the Avengers because he refuses to register um, until uh, our man Cap and his new Avengers, consisting of Captain America, Hawkeye, Luke Cage, uh, Cloak and Dagger, uh, appear to help uh, Spider-Man out kinda against the <laughs> yeah, old, old, <laughs> old Avengers. Yeah, kind of old, kind of old new. So, and then of course Stark's Avengers are much younger, and they seem to be analogs of. Of, of Iron Fist, She Hulk, Captain Marvel, War Machine, and <clears throat> what? Black Widow?
0: Yeah, I mean, think. the way that those Avengers are introduced is just superb. You know, that these guys are taking Peter down. That's like Iron Man saying, too much work to do, too many people who need help. That's what we do, Peter, a unified front, keeping the world safe. And Peter's sort of mumbling a little bit, but he's like, not sure. I agree not sure he does either and then bang just Captain America's shield comes in takes two of them down and then it's like Avengers
2: assemble Uh, just brilliantly done so it was Uh, they they mesh the battle between the the Starks Avengers and Caps Avengers uh, with the battle that um, Claire and Benjamin uh, Peter's children are having against Moreland to try and project Mary Jane and it seems to be a losing battle it becomes clear that uh, Peter's children are both super fast and super strong, so they've inherited some of their father's uh, genetics. Um, but it seems to be a losing battle um, until uh, until they realize that uh, that Claire was able to hurt Moreland while he, while he was absorbing her life energy. That he's that he's vulnerable while he's. Feeding, mm-hmm. um, so um, they come up with a plan where Benji will sacrifice himself when Claire takes him out, sort of thing. Uh, meanwhile, in New York, Peter has uh, headed to Parker Industries and he's grabbing some of his, some of his uh, spider armor, um, change back into Spider-Man. Um, yeah, we we see that battle finish. We see, um, we see Benji, the brother, sacrifice himself. Uh, you know. When Marlon feeds on him, uh, Claire takes him out. Do we get the impression that Benjamin is dead here, or...?
0: Seem to think so, but then... Yeah, I mean, even the line is, there are too many dead. Yeah. You know, in the same
2: line. Um, Yeah, I would assume he's dead at that point. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Peter now appears dressed in his new spider costume, and uh, he... uh, he uh has a fail safe that uh he's built, you know, to take out uh start tech armor uh, and he does so takes down uh, the the Avengers all at once using the smarts, rips off Tony's Tony's helmet and uh you know, I guess um we realise that this is actually a hologram of Tony rather than Tony himself. And uh you know, I guess we end up with uh with uh, Cap and uh with Spider Man joining joining Cap's Avengers, uh, joining that side of the Civil War. Uh, yeah. So, and that's it. Uh, Cap says, we'll deal with it together, son. And <laughs> Peter goes, son, son, we're both old <laughs> men, Cap. We need to do what old men should do and leave the world a better place before we go. So, that's obviously leading into two thousand ten yeah great great I'm really looking forward to reading this all together.
1: Twenty eighth of August cannot come soon enough. <clears throat>
0: yeah, great. yeah I mean we were speculating a little bit earlier about how it will end. I personally think it'll be the introduction of Miles Morales and then yeah. he will become a superman or sorry, Spider Man for a new generation almost and Peter'll sort of die happy knowing there's someone there to take his place
1: there'll be tears there'll mm. be tears
2: Alan yep absolutely so and he what, still does it, what is goat. it with Spider-Man number sixes yeah mm, <laughs> yeah um, yeah great uh, Wildstorm finished this month within it's 24th issue uh, looking forward to Wildcats picking up after that by Warren Ellis Flash Year 1 finished I'd say that's going to make a fantastic trade so yeah fantastic month Oof. absolutely fantastic month <laughs>
0: And to be honest, we probably could have talked about I more I think there was
1: yeah, there was a few more that
0: deceased continued to be great. Um I really enjoyed the Punisher Annual. I know
2: Keith wasn't as big a fan of it. Again, going back oh, to the no, hu- no. Again, going back to the humor aspect. Yeah, I enjoyed I it. I enjoyed it all right. It just was a wee bit throwaway. Yeah. You know, I didn't think it was. I mean, and Punisher yeah.
0: essentially ended up on a spaceship
2: on a on a rocket with J. Jonah Jameson,
0: battling Yeah. Russian and terrorists. I've got I've got that Venom Annual, <laughs> which not is not also to one of those acts of evil. evil yeah. You know, so um, yeah, there yeah. was a couple of fun throwaways things like that. Because we also had
1: Transformers oh yes yeah. Dublin Strong Green Lantern Annual um,
2: Farmhand I mean, number farm, 10 farm, end yeah, of an and
1: we didn't even talk about Little Bird finishing oh wow okay but we kind of talked about the hardcover on the last oh, month's preview, preview so, yeah. Canto you know, number 2 forgetting.
0: as well Ooh, Canto's a tile enjoying
1: American Carnage finished as well um, Ghost Tree number 4 was brilliant little series from IDW as well same as Canto God, yeah. Batman Comics Universe like. number
0: one with Ben this writing Batman Nick derrington on art. Just so much good stuff. Um mm-hmm. and very, very little of it throwaway. It was just <laughs> that good. Um I think ever since we've started doing the review shows, ever since we started doing the podcast really, I don't think there was a month to rival it. really I think you could be right. I think um, you could be right. You know, the, the I do think the standards at the moment are just ridiculously high whether it's dc marvel or indie there's just a brilliant stuff across the board yeah. um so yeah. long may it continue long may it continue indeed um uh, but that is a three-hour <laughs> magnum opus to uh finish off the month of july How do we get in touch with the store Alan? uh silver pop into the store is always your best chance um we're there six days a week uh smithfield market uh, but keep up to date with all the social media stuff uh facebook Twitter, Instagram, all the usual search, Coffee and Heroes. Uh, we'd like to be active on there. Cool. And how about yourself? You have plenty of stuff to promote and oh, push yeah. over the next few months.
1: Trying to, be, trying to be a bit more proactive with the old social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roddy McCants across the board. Um, Fractured Press as well. Oh, you're that's that, Roddy out. McCants? that's yeah, me. Wow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um
1: yeah i got a, an exciting couple of weeks i will be at WorldCon in dublin this weekend which is i have to look up the dates so what date is, is it the 12th of august we're on now so well we're recording and it's quarter past one in the morning august. so it's uh, so, 13th yeah i'll be a WorldCon this weekend and then TitanCon the weekend after might have a panel on that might be joining a panel no so Stay tuned, um, yeah, uh, I've got, got news on my book coming out, so stay tuned, all the social media stuff for that, and yeah.
2: Very cool, Roddy. What about you, Keith? Uh, this weekend, this week, is um, the week leading up to Standoff Festival, the largest uh, outdoor camping and music festival that Northern Ireland has ever seen, mm-hmm. um, headlined by Basement Jacks, Hot House Flowers, a um, variety of other. Uh, really well-known acts uh, and uh, filled out by the cream of the crop of Northern Irish and Irish Acts, Mm. um, Independent Acts, so that'll be taking place this Thursday the 15th to Saturday the 17th um, at Ballymolly Cottage Farm in Limavady up north. Um, There are still some tickets available, family tickets and adult coming tickets, so if you're interested in good music, there's no better way to experience it than Stendhal Festival. Cool looking forward to it it's going to be hard work but. so there Steel. you go whether it's retail
0: writing or music we got you covered <laughs> very busy bunch
1: uh, so we will reconvene in a couple of weeks yeah absolutely we'll talk we to you
0: uh, pleasure as always gentlemen and thank you Keith for explaining parts of 10 today. not at all anytime uh, <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> we'll see you again soon guys take care see ya bye <laughs>